Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here on episode number 97, here on Labor Day, September 3rd, Monday, 2018. I am Joe Murata, and that is Mr. Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. Howdy doody, Michael. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Yes, my birthday was last Wednesday, the yes. 29th. The yes. big 3-3, uh, three, three, Michael. 3-3. Three, three. Yes. So what does that mean? It means I'm 33. Does that also mean that we can we up the combined years of experience thing? Oh, I guess we're get we're closing in on like uh, forty eight years. I think of combined Whoa, fandom almost now. Almost fifty. Almost fifty years of combined fandom. And oh. folks, what we're, what we're going to do is talk about some things we remember and some things we wish we didn't. As we romp you through the world of retro wrestling, we have some great topics in store for you. Uh, Nineteen ninety seven will be very prevalent in this episode here. Well, it is uh, episode ninety seven, yeah, and we we've kind of been doing that. We've kind of been doing that. So if you're newer to the show. Uh, follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's a great place if you want to interact with us and talk about the old wrestling. Yes, it's called uh, Facebook.web.feet. Yeah, what happens there? It's a cool website where um, cool website. people like can socially interact with each other. Oh, that sounds nice. So we have like a section carved out. Oh, okay. We, we planted a flag. It was a whole ceremony. We, we opened it up. We wore the construction hats and right. suits. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> and, they, and they just they, they shovel that like Fake one dirt. like the one piece of dirt like because they don't want to get their hands dirty. That's for other people to do. And that's what we did when we founded this group. Right. So we founded the group. To find the group, you go on the search bar. You type in our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast. Hit enter. Usually on your keyboard or return, return. Or, or something on your IBM. Right. And whammo the uh, in the search results, you'll see the group. You hit join, and we'll uh, let you in. Yeah, we're always standing by almost 24 hours a day to let you in. Operators are standing by. No CODs. Right. Don't ever try with the CODs. Yeah, but join the group whether you're a new fan, you've been around for 40 or 50 years, whether you like Ivan Putzky or Roman Reigns, just join the group. It'll be fun, non-judgmental, just a really fun time. And a little bit later in the show, we will have some information about our Patreon, some friends of the show. Uh, but, Quinn, we have been, as you alluded to, it's 1997 now, right, for mm-hmm. episode 97? 1997. And all decade long, we have been going through the 90s in a nutshell. And last year, Quinn, in 1996, some things happened. Number one, Billionaire Ted Skits, a.k.a. WWF, is getting nervous. Shawn Michaels defeats Bret Hart. Yay. Mm. Hall and Nash in. Hogan turns heel, and it's the new world organization of wrestling, brother. And Austin on the rise, and Pillman's got a gun. That is 1996 in a nutshell. Let's go to 1997 in a nutshell. Welcome, everybody. The revolutionary force in sports entertainment. And the biggest night in the history of this great organization. Good guys versus bad guys. The WCW. New World Order. 
It sucks. Nineteen ninety seven in a nutshell, Quinn. We have finally arrived to the good wrestling. Here. Yeah, this decade's <laughs> finally gotten good. It's, it's been a while. There was since a bit of like a dip. Yeah, there was a bit of dip these last five <laughs> years. But nineteen ninety seven was a great year. It built upon a lot of the things that had happened in nineteen ninety six. And Quinn, to start it off in January, it was the Royal Rumble in Texas, San Antonio, the hometown of your boy Shawn Michaels, and at that Royal Rumble ninety seven in front of I don't know about. 60,000 people. I think about 30 were free. What do you mean? <laughs> what about Adam and Billy or whatever? They were there since like December, <laughs> yeah. just sitting around. But uh, Shawn Michaels regained the world title from Sid that he had lost at Survivor Series 96. What did you think of that as a Shawn Michaels fan? Yeah, I was psyched about it. Shawn Michaels, a two-time champ. He's catching up with Brett. I mean, that you can't, you can't go wrong there. I guess so. Uh, also, probably most notably, really, is that Steve Austin illegally wins the Royal Rumble. This was stunning at the time. Now, first of all, I'd like to say about this pay-per-view it in general. Yeah, it's, it is very like we're still like 96-ing it up. Like, oh, yeah. It, it's like I remember the Royal Rumble <laughs> has it up. It, the Royal Rumble has a lot of poopy people in it like it's all these like heavy metal and shit like, uh, yeah cybernetico and <laughs> yeah. all that shit Hector why is Garza. it like, full of that actually because it's in san antonio yeah, but no like, one cared it's just weird it's also the last i should mention the last ever appearance of jose lothario that's good john however the the winner the eventual winner was i did not see that coming uh i thought for sure bret hart was just gonna win a lot of people did for austin to win it was weird because you had thought well, Austin's kind of been taken care of at Survivor Series, right? Bret yeah. Hart had uh, destroyed him. Yeah, I mean, like, Austin's still was, a bit of a nudge, but yeah. he wasn't a threat as much. For him to win the Royal Rumble was absolutely absurd. I didn't. I did not think in January of 1997. I still didn't see Austin as the eventual like head of the company. Like, right. was going to be the best thing ever, and this was kind of like, okay, now we're like indicating like, no, Austin is going to be like a thing. Yeah, and he was. I mean, he had been gaining crowd support. The Bret Hart feud really did a lot for him. And his performance in the Rumble eliminating a lot of guys like Bart Gunn and shit like that. You know, checking his watch. Remember that? Doing push-ups. And then when Bret's music hits Mm -hmm. and that face he makes. Uh Uh-oh. Yes! 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 This really, really helped launch him. You know, these last few months have all been building. And then winning the Royal Rumble and the fallout the next night with Bret quitting. So I quit. You know, I quit if I don't get to win the Royal Rumble and go to the WrestleMania. Yeah, fuck you, by the way. Like, <laughs> hey, man, it's wrestling. Like, this shit happens sometimes. And then Gorilla makes the Final Four match in February, which we've talked about. But in February, in the WCW end of things, Quinn, it was mm-hmm. Super Brawl 7. And for some godforsaken reason, it was Hogan versus Piper again. Yeah, I mean. Come on. Listen, I could accept it at Starcade because like I had explained like last episode, I thought that, hey, it's WCW latching onto a thing yeah. that. You know, it made sense. It was a match. It was just like with Hogan and Flair, right? right? It was just like a match people wanted to see, like, resolve that shit, right? Yes. And you thought, they didn't Piper resolve. beat him. It's resolved, yeah. right? Like, no more Piper, right? right? Hogan mm-hmm. just continues on NWO oh, sure. stuff. Oh, yeah. But no, it's still going on <laughs> in February. This is where it's like, okay, enough with the Piper shit. Yeah. I mean, me, while Austin's on the rise and Bret Hart is, like, heating back up again after returning a few months earlier and a lot of cool, edgier things are happening. Hogan's fighting Piper in WCW. Also, very tragically in February, Quinn, I just have to, on a very, very sad note, and I know that you took this very personally at the time when it happened. And it was I know, very sad. 
Shawn Michaels lost his smile. Yeah. Now, was this when the Marines beat him up? Or was no, that's this... the other time he faked an injury <laughs> yeah, in that job. What, yeah. what's, which one is this again? The Marine is the Dean Douglas, and he's got the windbreaker. <laughs> right. What this does he one, look like in this one? I he's don't got remember. the brown suit, and everyone kind of doesn't believe him, and he limps to the ring. <laughs> does and he have a beard in this one, too? He has, like, the, the yeah, the same, like, I'm I'm sad beard. <laughs> yeah. He has a sad beard and the fake cry, and Vince looks annoyed, and Gorilla's like, oh, there he is. <laughs> so Shawn Michaels forfeits the world title rather than job to Bret Hart. I have to say, this, oh God. even as a Sean, this isn't in a defense, actually. You'll be surprised. Oh, I, wow. This actually, like, listen up. First of all, to be fair, I didn't know, like, I didn't understand the cape. I thought he was legit injured. He probably had something slightly wrong. Because I just didn't know. Something like, he could have worked yeah, through. Yeah, like, though, at the what, time. Like, I'm not trying. It's not because I was, like, defending him or whatever. I get it. I get it. I just didn't know. But what first and foremost pissed me off, I was like, oh, Shawn Michaels going to fight Steve Austin at WrestleMania, that's going to be awesome. Right, right, right. And I was just like, this sucks. <laughs> like, I, no, seriously, like, that's yeah. like literally what it, I was like, this blows. Well, it did blow. So that that's what led to the awesome Final Four now for the world title a few days later, where Bret Hart won his fourth world title, lost it the next night again to Sid, and then we kept the Austin and Bret feud going to WrestleMania. Sean would do commentary at WrestleMania. Yeah, I will say, when how I was saying how, like, I was upset that this happened to Sean. Yeah. The final four pay per view, which I went, which I ordered on pay per view, I saw it. I saw that live. Really, that was like that blew me away. Like I I was like, you know what? This sucks that we don't get to see Sean versus Austin because that would be cool too. Right. But holy shit, the final four is cool, and then all the chaos that ensued afterwards. It kind of, it kind of like made up for it. It made amends. It was like almost by omission, it made things better that Sean wasn't there. In uh, speaking of WrestleMania, in March was WrestleMania 13, which. If it wasn't for Brett versus Steve Austin in their all-time, probably Brett's most iconic match, honestly. Right. Definitely Austin's. Their all-time, that hard... It wasn't really a hardcore match. It was a submission match that got very hardcore. Right. With the iconic shot of Steve Austin with the blood trying to power out of the sharpshooter. Right. I mean, that's that's the story of the pay-per-view. Uh, the pay-per-view itself is horrible. It's, it's poopy. I don't know what the hell happened, honestly, because... If you look at the go home to this WrestleMania, it's yes. to me, it's actually, and I think it should be noted in the March part, it's the best go home show to a WrestleMania I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. This is the like, one where Brett snapped. This is the right. March uh, you're, 17th. Your stones are so cold. Yeah. Your stones are so cold. Austin and Brett go at it. Undertaker and Sid go at it. But Brett's beating up everyone. Sean comes out because he's so injured and comes dances out with a, around with a chair. Dances around with a chair. Mr. Injured himself there. Sean Michaels has no business. But what was great about this whole period of time here in March is that Brett turned heel. Right. And Austin turned face once and for all at WrestleMania. I mean, it wasn't cemented till WrestleMania, it but was, it, yeah. was, it was brewing. Since January. Right. And it was, it was amazing. It's just, I don't know. It's not even just that ending at that Raw. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening. In that whole period of time. In that whole period of time. And I don't understand why WrestleMania 13 turned out the way it did. Like, well, it's just weird. I'll tell you that Rocky Maivia versus The Sultan didn't help. Right. I'll tell you that that Legion of Doom versus Na- Nation thing wasn't that good. Well, that's the thing to me. That was a hot angle at it the was. time. It and was. Everything on Raw indicated, wow, it's going to be a wild brawl and really cool. And yeah. it just kind of was whatever. Like, it was like, they. Did, I remember they brought the kitchen sink literally. Like, and that was stupid. But Yes, it was. But I'm just saying, <laughs> Very like, stupid. 
I felt like that could have turned out better, and it just, I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah, it didn't turn out that yeah. good. And of course, Undertaker won the world title, Quinn, and he uh, he wore the same clothes that he did in 1991. First time we saw the Undertaker in 1991 at a WrestleMania, he beat a Hall of Famer, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, wearing the exact same type of attire. But also in the fallout of WrestleMania, uh, which will go on into April, Bret Hart, uh, you know, American fans, coast to coast, kiss my ass, reunites with Bulldog and Owen. Love you, Owen. Awesome. Love this, that whole another thing. Another great episode of Raw. It starts like Bulldog and Owen are like fighting with yep, each other. As and, they had been for months. Right. And But awesome thing is that now that Bret's a heel, he sees an opportunity here. Yeah. And he says, if I like come in and like mediate... <laughs> They'll get back together and rally around me, and they'll be my goons, basically, for the rest of the year. And Owen did the complete 180 after, like, literally this whole time. Like, (laughs) even when they weren't feuding, like, he'd be like, my stupid brother, Brett! Like, now he's, like, the big cheerleader for Brett. he's, like, (laughs) the ultra support. Watch his knee! Remember that? (laughs) Yeah, like, he, he turned, like, you're right. It's, like, complete one. It's one of the best Owen things I've ever seen. Like, he's just, like... Just none of that ever happened. <laughs> yep. it's, the, it's the same thing that King does real good when somebody turns yes. heel that he feuded with. Including just, Brett. Yeah, he just immediately becomes a big supporter yeah. for no reason whatsoever. And it kicked off what would carry the spring and summer, the U.S. USA versus Canada angle where the hearts were faces everywhere but the U.S. And Austin was kind of a heel everywhere but the U.S. And that was really cool. But Quinn and April, we need to mention now, we talked about the mass transit incident. Right. This, this is another big, big thing. Honestly, I, I think it, we're overlooking it because the whole nonsense yeah. going on in WWE at the time. But in April, ECW finally pulled it off. Barely legal. Their first ever pay-per-view finally happens. Awesome pay-per-view, by the way. I And the, the fans were going crazy. It had more fans than ever, I think. And it was sweaty and hot. Yep. And, it, it was horrible. And not, <laughs> was not horrible. like the pay-per-view was yeah, good. No, I just no, mean like funny. the conditions were bad. Yes. And the arena's power went out like five minutes after right the after. show. But it's a great, that main event with uh, Terry Funk, yes. Stevie Richards, and uh, Sandman. And then Sandman. he goes on to face Raven, Terry right. Funk does, and wins the ECW right. title from Raven. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Wall package. It's over! It's over! Probably peak ECW. It is. 97, I think, is. And we have to, I have to applaud them. Five years earlier, they had just formed. Right. They were nothing. Yeah. In 93, they really weren't much of anything yet. And in 94, little by little by little, Paul had built what I'd call a brand of the ECW brand. This is where it's edgy. This is where it's counterculture. This is where we will bring in guys that you remember. But we also have this really good new talent that we mm-hmm. want you to check out. And, you know, I don't mean this derogatorily, but it was a cult mentality. It was. And uh, I think, you know, people look back at it. It's like, oh, it's just people hitting with each other with weapons. Not and all it's that. Like, Please watch the fucking show before <laughs> you say that. Like, yeah, because it's, it's not all that. It's not all that. It's not. It really isn't. No, there's good wrestling. And too. good storytelling. There is. Yes, and there I is. Just, I, to me, this is its peak. And... It was hard to top this because after this, the new goal became getting a, a real television show, like one that was national. Yeah, not and that, on MSG and syndicated and stuff. That proved to be a bigger struggle than um, getting pay-per-view. Yeah, somehow. Isn't that yeah. crazy? But uh, that is what happens. But a big shout out to ECW for pulling that off and, and having a good year in 97 creatively right. and just mm-hmm. an entertaining product. By May in the WWF, Austin is a face now. He's on his rampage. The hearts are heels, but this is only in the U.S., like I mentioned. Shawn Michaels, oh, he's back, Quinn, and he wins the tag titles with Steve Austin Very briefly. Very cool angle. It was. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I, I have no problem with that. Uh, to me, it was a fitting comeback of Shawn. 
I remember it just, it was starting to get warm out. I know it was May, yeah, it's but May, yeah. I remember, very specifically remember that. Was it near the end of May? Do you know what Yes, it was. I think it was May 26 or something like that. I remember that. it was yeah. starting to get warm out, and I remember Sean came back with the red, like, San Antonio tights on, and it was like this sweaty night on Raw, and like Austin and Sean went, I just rem- I don't know why, just, I remember the, the weather getting better. I always associate that with that Raw. Well, the weather for professional wrestling in the World Wrestling Federation was getting better, too, because Raw... Raw, even though the ratings didn't reflect it, Raw was really, really fun in 97. Yeah, you know, thinking back to that Sean Austin thing again, to me, that was one of those points where I really started to understand how better Raw was at the time. Like, it was really starting to hit me because they had done all this crazy shit. But I don't know why, like maybe because it was just my favorite wrestler. It was so cool to see my favorite wrestler who doesn't like Steve Austin. Teaming up teaming up and i was like this is great like this show is awesome like it's so good it was and the, <laughs> and the match that they won the tag titles in against owen and bulldog it's was all awesome. it's really good it's yeah. one of the better raw matches right. ever yeah isn't that rated in like one of the best raw matches yes. of all time it or literally something? is yeah. it's really really great tag check that out remember this is pre-injury for austin right yeah overall in may 97 man raw was good it yeah. really was yeah it was really good show in june Randy Savage and DDP have been feuding, and I just wanted to mention it somewhere because their feud in '97 so is unheralded.ly yeah. good. It's it is leaps and bounds above Hogan coming out and like NWO brother every right. fucking three weeks when he shows up, and the Outsiders being like New York and Vince McMahon, and like yeah. fuck As off we'll with see that. In the Nitro review, they, yes. they they actually recap the feud, and there's parts in it I forgot. Yeah, but it is it's pretty like. Uh, rough. I'm surprised the stuff Kimberly's doing, to be honest with yes. you. Like, very, and even Liz is like a badass yeah. lady heel. It, she's awesome. And what I love about this feud is this DDP had been heating up yeah. since like late 96, right? Savage wanted to put him over. Right. He wanted to. This launched the DDP that we, we would go on to love throughout 97 and 8 was this feud. Right. This yeah. really gave him a lot of screen time and let him do what he was good at. Yep. And it was, in my opinion, Quinn, Savage's last real hurrah as far as a quality feud with quality matches. It was the last time they gave Savage the opportunity to really do what he wanted. To. This, was, <laughs> this was one of the reasons he left WWE. Yes. Remember? Because yes. he wanted to put Sean over. And imagine if Savage was allowed to do that. We see what... It, He's, he's capable of when he does it with DDP. Yeah. So it's like, this is the result of if you let Savage work, he doesn't want to be on top anymore. Right. Like, he just wants to help people. He wants to wrestle. And look what he did with DDP. <laughs> yes. He's awesome. He's like, he becomes like an icon right. of the 90s because of this. And this feud had yeah, a lot to do with it. Yeah. In July in WCW, uh, Dennis Rodman wrestles for some fucking reason because <laughs> we, we, we needed that, you know? Well, you crap on it. Yeah, but, I do. I do crap on but, it. But you have to remember, this was very big and hot. It was. And, like, it was a big deal. Like, yes, it, it was. It, I remember it was everywhere. It was on the regular news. Mm-hmm, like, was. this was ECW's, like, WCW's. Mike, T- or, I'm sorry, WCW's Mike Tyson kind of thing before WWF even did it. Yeah, or it was, like, Mr. T, which WWF did first, sure. Yes. I was actually really surprised. Or Lawrence Taylor the year, two years earlier. I guess I was personally really surprised that Dennis Rodman would be in wrestling. I don't know why. And it now just, he's Ambassador Rodman to uh, North Korea. Right, yeah. The at the Renaissance time, man. At the time, in 97, this was very strange. Didn't he marry Madonna or like...
Madonna or something. I think you're thinking of Carmen Electra or something. Wasn't it both? Maybe. It could have been both. It wasn't Madonna. I don't <laughs> think he married Madonna. But she's way above that, right? But she's older than him. Nevertheless. <laughs> but back to Rodman here. Yeah, Rodman teamed with Hogan to take on DDP and Carl Malone. And yes, despite my dislike of 1997 WCW, Quinn is correct. And I will give credit where it was due. It was a big story. Yeah. And it did get them some publicity, which for WCW was a newer concept these last few years. Right. I think this is the good execution of WCW bringing in celebrities. They had tried they tried football players and stuff. <laughs> Dennis Rodman was the sweet spot as far as an athlete. Later the next year, they tried Jay Leno, which was trying to go like, OK, it got over. It got over, but it was the wrong. <laughs> Jay Leno. It was, yeah, it was the wrong one. My point is, is I think Dennis Rodman is the height of like WCW using celebrities properly. Well, I would say David Arquette, of course, is the height of that. No. <laughs> uh, August 3rd, 1997, the SummerSlam. A, it was the earliest SummerSlam, August 3rd. That's very early. From the Meadowlands, the uh, uh, Continental this, Airlines Arena. And the Quinn. millions of dollars on the line for all the fans. Or yes. Whatever. I remember entering the contest. I wanted, because you got a ticket to SummerSlam. If you go, if you want right right correct now I couldn't uh, I was just a kid and there was no way my mom was buying me tickets to SummerSlam no so, Michael even though I wanted to go so I mean this Eat was your like fruit wrinkle Michael this is like peak WWF for me yep I'd been in into it for like two years so like now I'm like oh man SummerSlam it's big right card. here like big card big card the Stone Cold and the Intercontinental Belt and Brett with Undertaker Brett's fighting the Undertaker Sean's the ref Sean I mean this this looked like it was going to be the greatest thing ever big and card. I was just all into this pay-per-view and uh it is good it's probably one of the best summer slams of the 90s it is it's very good for yeah. for the 90s uh they give our governor a world title belt with yes, the governor christine todd whitman uh, who looks <laughs> like linda mcmahon she, clone they're or the something. same person i yeah. think actually i'm yeah. pretty sure they're the same yeah they give her a title belt for beating the taxes or something well like that. also undertakers in full regalia at that thing which is really really I, strange like thank you governor yeah for putting death into the taxes. Uh, yeah. He doesn't really say that, but he probably does. I think Gorilla Talks. It's two things that are guaranteed in life for being right next to each other, taxes and death. Governor, you are the true people's champion, and tonight on behalf of the World Wrestling Federation, we'd like to make you honorary World Wrestling Federation champion. Yes! At that SummerSlam, the SummerSlam, a few things that are actually really notable happened. Bret Hart, five. Yes, the big five. <laughs> the big five when he wins. Up the five. And, and the reason he got his five is because uh, Sean Nichols, the referee, yeah. they, he had a stipulation that if he was biased towards Brett, he could never wrestle in the U.S. again. Right. Brett had a stipulation that if he lost, he would never wrestle in the U.S. again. Right. And there's the big spit by Brett onto Sean. Remember that? Yeah. Sean tries to hit Brett with a chair. Brett ducks, nails the Undertaker, and Sean forced to count the pinfall. And that was awesome because it helped turn Sean heel. This wasn't officially. I don't remember thinking of it that way. I thought, oh, fuck, like that damn Bret Hart. Like he got, he right. you know, egged Sean on and got him to, you know, and the next, cost him the belt. The next night, though, Sean is full-blown heel. Right. Because it, really awesome. it, it has something. If I recall right on that Raw, basically he, he's pissed that like everyone thinks that yes. he wanted to do it intentionally. Correct. That's but what it, it is. Yeah. So it, he just becomes a dick about it. He's kind of right rightful there he I mean, like he didn't he's he is like annoyed he's like fuck i didn't mean to do that yeah. like i hate bret hart like right. what, like this is bullshit like <laughs> and we got to be honest though when 1997 Shawn michaels is meant to be a heel right so it's good that they turned they, him. they used it, it he it was wasn't... so douchey yeah 
So it was better that he was healed. But also, that's obviously where, unfortunately, uh, Owen Hart botches that pile driver on Steve Austin. Right. This is a big turning really, point. It changes the trajectory of how everything will work for the rest of the 90s for the WWF. And they still yeah. make it work. Instead of having technical Stone Cold Steve Austin matches, we're right. going to have brawl style. Very brawly, yeah. Um, but Austin, um, this was horrible for the WWF. Yeah. They thought he was done. The fact that he even got up off the mat to pin Owen Hart, I right. can't believe he did that. Right. Where it's horrible, there's good that comes out of this starts the Austin and his jeans and t-shirt every week, yep. and he's on the show every single week, yep. and a lot of people, and most of the time, I didn't really think about him being hurt. Like, I was just right. like, oh, well, he's just beating people up yeah. every week, like, he, like beating up, like, Doc and stuff. Like, <laughs> Doc. Yeah. What does Doc have a picture of? This chin. Thank yeah. you. In September, and we'll more on the Austin thing in a second, a couple of things happened. Raw had its first MSG Raw, which was really cool. You know, yeah. Raw from MSG. That was cool. Big deal. Cactus Jack made his WWF debut in that feud with Triple H. Great Raw, too, because yes. of that cactus. I remember that. Triple H looked great in that, that match, too. Like, like, he was finally a thing. It was like, oh, Triple H is hardcore and <laughs> finally. shit. Like, yeah. And this was the start of Triple H, like, starting to be like, fuck this I'm a blue blood yes. thing like it's like it, it started to become like not really his character too new generation-y for like, the direction they were yeah, going like you know China was with yeah. him and like it was like okay like enough enough with this like, shit like he still had actually good his best music yeah that music was good I, I did like was. that I loved it but it was like kind of yes he's like prissy or whatever but at the same <laughs> time it's, it's like he's a badass because that music is like more like glorious yeah it's like ironic it. almost yeah. like with the big robe that he right, comes out yeah. with and uh most famously of course of that raw and we've talked about this moment before but austin first stuns vince mcmahon after stunning earlier you know he had yeah. already stunned jr and slaughter and king holy shit with that by the way like the that way. was absurd yep and i'm sure we're gonna hear a clip of that stunner i appreciate the fact that you and the World Wrestling Federation care. And I also appreciate the fact that hell, you can kiss my ass. And then in WCW, Quinn, a man named Bill Goldberg made his WCW debut defeating Humorous. This was very interesting. A yep. very interesting development over at the WCW. It was, actually. This um, helped them a lot. I was surprised. I saw this guy show up. It's like, oh, well, he, the question mark man's going to just beat him in two seconds or whatever. And then yeah. he, he beats Hugh Morris in two seconds. Big deal. What a debut for Bill Goldberg. Incredibly, with a major upset over Humorous here on WCW Monday Nitro. After that happened, it was so weird how it occurred really weird that i remember like following him on like i heard he was going to be on saturday night and yeah. i was like i was kind of like immediately drawn to bill goldberg i was just like this is so strange why is this guy like he just wears black trunks and is bald like yeah he doesn't look like anything but he's beating like yeah not jobbers it's like who the hell is this guy like right. where did he come from what right. is this so he would become very important uh, in the following year. Obviously. Obviously. So, yeah. uh, in October, after forming their association in August, Shawn Michaels, Rick Rude, Triple H in China, DX as a term is officially coined. Awesome. Degeneration X, Triple H, HBK, China, Ravishing Rick, we are Degeneration X. You make the rules and we will break them now. You guys aren't going to make it to the Survivor Series. 
a lot of people like to say like to compare them to the NWO. I don't because it's two different things. I agree. They're- I don't compare them. The NWO is probably better, okay, and more important. Yeah. But DX is not supposed to be the NWO. So the thing that I, the big difference between the two to me, right, is the NWO was about like company-wide domination. Correct. They were, of course, about bucking the authority. But when you're taking over, you have to like you that's, buck by d- default, right? It's a you default buck. DX, on the other hand, was like intentional. We're buck. not taking over anything. No. We're just like being annoying. <laughs> that's like, all it like, was. Yeah, like it was just a group of guys. that's like, well, fucking Sergeant Slaughter's always annoying us, yeah. and like Vince McMahon and shit. So, and we don't but, like Bret Hart. We don't like Bret Hart, and he's got a whole foundation. So yeah. we need to like form a like thing to and we, fight back. And we're just going to be dicks, right? Basically, DX is just assholes right the nwo their goal was to take over the company right and they were assholes along the way right exactly it's they're they're more like assholes by association dx's goal is to be disruptive right not to take it over no because then there'd be nothing to be disrupting (laughs) right you got you got to have a thing they need to like win a belt and stuff right they just want to like play strip poker on TV and say right. fuck on TV. Yeah, they're also tired of being like pushed around. It's basically the click. But yeah, like the real life click in kayfabe yeah. form. Meanwhile, the NWO shit by the end of '97 was really starting to get old. I'm just saying because they yeah. were still doing it. Like 19 people coming out just standing around in black shirts. It was starting to get old, old here. Although it's also been going on for a year, so no wonder it's getting. You know what I mean? It's exactly. not like it's not the fault of the angle. It's the fault of it's being its duration. It, yeah, it's duration. Yeah. Uh, in November, we don't need to say much about this. We have a couple of segments on the screw job. November obviously was the screw job at Survivor Series. Right. We and, all know about it. And as far as the '90s are concerned, the effect this has—it's a transformative effect to the company. If you ask me, it, it, it says, "Okay, Bret Hart, a big pillar, is gone. He's left in controversy. Vince McMahon had something to do with this, as far as the um, people who don't read the dirt sheets are concerned. Right. And there's some kind of, there's a lick of truth involved in it. Uh, Absolutely. There's something real that's happened here. Yep. And Vince McMahon, that's weird. He's never a bad guy. He's a good guy. Like, he's never been a heel ever. No, he hadn't Only been. If he, unless you watch, like, USWA, USWA or something. But <laughs> yeah. who watches that? So well, people na- less I'm just, fortunate. I'm just saying, the national public has never seen Vince this way. Right. He gave that Brett screwed Brett thing. Yep. There was a snowball effect there because by default, uh, Vince McMahon would go on to be one of the biggest heels, you know, ever. And right. Steve Austin would be his, uh, you know, his yin or yang, whichever right. it is. And now Shawn Michaels is unopposed, number yep. one. Nobody can touch him yep. uh, other than The Undertaker. They send The Undertaker after him for right. a while. That's, that's basically like his last, the last bastion of defense. Yeah. So November, you know, there was a lot of things that were happening there that would set the way for 1998. And then in December of 97, it was Starcade 97. Good job, WCW. You fucked yep. that one up. Yep. Uh, and Quinn I, admits it no, finally. No comment. You I, uh, admit it because you know it's true. It's It know. was the wrong thing at the wrong time and it took too long and Bret Hart was there for some reason and Larry Zabisco wrestled and it was just <laughs> everything about it was too little, too late, too shitty, too sucky. Goodbye WCW, you stink. I wanted to just mention this about Stark and it's not like a defense or anything no, but no, no, it, no. It's, it's about how we had previously talked about why the NWO was going on for so long. So fucking long. It was to me because this was marked in this Starcade. Oh, they fucked up. Right, but my point is is that it's it's why the NWO last. The NWO after this, this is when they start uh setting the sowing the seeds for like, okay, we got we got to start splitting this up. Yeah. 
So, it just it went on too long. Yeah, that's the bluntest way I can put it without being humorous or any or any Kevin analogies. Morris, it, <laughs> it just went on too long, and the way they executed it was poor. Okay, right. very poor. You done messed up, A.A. Ron. Miscellaneous uh, notes about 1997. Just some quick hits here. Shotgun Saturday Night debuted in January. It was uh, unique for about six weeks, and then it wasn't. Well, the, the <laughs> typical mark of Vince McMahon caring yep. about something once it first starts and then not. Yep. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon was out as president, or at least off screen uh, by August. That would bring us Commissioner Slaughter. He was who, he was the commissioner, not the president. He was not the president. Be clear. Uh, Rick Rube was on three different shows on the same weekend. He was on. Raw, which was taped right. the same night he was on a live Nitro, and that same weekend he had been on ECW because he didn't have a contract with anyone. Yeah. So Rick Rude was a three-promotion star on one weekend in November of Pretty 1997. Awesome. Pretty yeah. awesome, right? It's Rick yeah. Rude. Yeah. Sonny must decrease, Sable must increase. Unfortunately, it was the rise of Sable and the fall of Sonny. Sonny was not out of the picture. She was just most of little the by year. Little going down. Most of the year, it's like <laughs> her picture would roll out, and she's like, oh, hey, everybody. Hey, San Antonio. Yeah. It's like, here's the midgets like and, and all the, you know exactly. what i mean like hey, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> all drunk and dress shit up like, like a schoolgirl or something like a, or a cowboy and like <laughs> like you know what i mean like she'd have like a costume every week like it's halloween or something <laughs> it was just sad because sunny as i've always maintained infinitely more talented than rena marrow but what are you gonna do that's life the rock rocky Maivia, who had been out with injury since may of 97 he turns heel in August 97 awesome. upon his return. Yep. Awesome. Joins the nation domination. He'll have his big breakout year, and I'm sure we will talk a bit about him in 1998. But that was notable. That started the slow turn from Rocky Maivia into The Rock. If I recall also, he does mention the die, Rocky, die oh, yeah. thing in that comeback Yes, promo. he does. Yeah. It's a great promo, too. Yeah. Finally, like we get some charisma out of this guy. Right, exactly. You know? and, and after that, we would never not get charisma. Right. Like, that was just like, that die, Rocky, die promo is like, he was off to the races after. He never declined. Yep, he never did. Yeah. Uh, and two more things to mention. In February of 1997, Raw expanded to two hours. They switched their branding to Raw is War in and March. Warzone. And Warzone. Yeah. And that would really set the template for what we still have today, believe it or not, mm-hmm. with the, the big screen which back then was the Titan Tron. Right. But it was a change in tone yeah. uh, and in, in aesthetics, and it really did freshen WWF's product. Now they were literally like head to head, hour for hour with yeah. WCW. Like they had the same amount yep. of time. They didn't win a single week in 1997, but their product was getting much better. I have to say, uh, props to the USA Network during this time period, uh, sticking with them, letting yeah. them work through this because they really were developing a product that was unbelievable. And Overall, just to kind of end the year, I just want to say that, like, WCW wasn't bad. I mean, for all their missteps, the fact that both shows were at their peak is what made this year one of the best years. Yeah, I mean, WCW wasn't bad, but they weren't better than WWF. Right. The last thing that I wanted to mention is there had been a new head writer since early 1997 for the World Wrestling Federation. It's a man that you're not allowed to give credit to. It's a man that never did anything good. He's just the worst thing ever. He never had a good idea. He sucks. He's terrible. You can't like him. You're an asshole if you like him. He's stupid. He's dumb. He's a jerk. But he happened to preside over the most successful period for the WWF in the late 90s, and his name is Vince Russo, so fuck off. Bro, 
Nobody gives a shit what you think. So for 1997, <laughs> Quinn, I would have to say it was a good year overall for wrestling here in North America. Every, every, all around. We, we went through ECW, WCW, WWF. All of them were good. This is one of the best years of all time. Stories are good. Yeah. Angles are good. The wrestling is good. The crowds are hot. The ratings are up. The ratings are going up. Yeah. yeah. Overall great year. And that is 1997 in a nutshell. Next week, of course, will be 1998. But Quinn... When we come back, we're going to get even more into 1997 because we're going to give you the best and worst of 1997 in Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. That's coming up right after this. You know, nothing beats a great cheeseburger, except maybe a great cheeseburger for just 99 cents. Introducing Wendy's new 99-cent quarter-pound double stack. It's got everything that makes a cheeseburger great. Plus, two patties of fresh beef served hot off the grill. The 99-cent quarter-pound double stack. It's a stack of beef for a little price, and it's only on Wendy's 99-cent super value menu. If you love beef, this one really stacks up. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on Labor Day, Monday, September 3rd, 2018. Hey, Quinn, before we get into Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, each and every week, we like to speak a little bit about our Patreon. We do have a Patreon account. Yes, it's over at uh, patreon.com slash OBP podcast. And over there, there's uh, three tiers of excellence. Uh, <laughs> yes, three very, tiers of excellence. They're very good. And they're very simple and they're very easy payments. Now, yeah. we split it up very nice for you. For $1, for the $1 a month tier, you get a raw video feed of us recording each episode each and every week, meaning right now you can see me saying this but i mean it's cool because you get to see us like i know in this episode we we brain- talked about the show yeah, yeah we brain what wa- <laughs> we brainstormed we brainstormed we brainwashed yeah. each other yeah and we uh yeah we go over some ideas sometimes you get to see like little jokes and other things like that sometimes content hits the cutting room floor right and you only get it on the video version so uh kind of just like our gift to you here's a you give us a dollar here's a raw video each and every week yeah, kind of making of yeah the, the making of each episode uh if you add $1 to that, this is a popular tier, the $2 tier. For 2 bucks a month, not only do you get the weekly raw footage, but every other Friday, you get OVP's Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. And Quinn, what is that? It's where we do the wild and crazy other Mount Rushmore ones. Like, we're definitely planning on doing hats eventually. Oh yeah, hats will happen. Yeah, but stuff like that. But what did we, you know, we We've did, done Dungeon of Doom, yeah, for example. Dungeon of Doom. Stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's like, if you get to that point in the week by Thursday and you're like, man, I wish there was more OVP. I wish I didn't have to wait till Monday. Well, every other Friday, you get a whole extra audio podcast. Yeah, it's on like a, an hour or something. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty good. And it's on a separate feed, too. Yeah. Right from Patreon. Yeah, you, you get your plug own it in. private feed. You plug it into your podcatcher, and you got it. Yep, you got it. And then if you had one more buck, that's it. You've maxed out your tiers. That's $3. $3 a month. You get the raw footage every single Monday. You get the bi-weekly Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. And on the other Fridays, you get video content. You get to watch Quinn and I watching the WWF from 1982. Quinn, we have powered our way into the summer of 82. It's the live review, baby. And the <laughs> WWE is trying to catch us over by dropping content. I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have I don't to see know how this pans out. Yeah, I, I don't know how long it's going to last. but So catch it while it's yeah, hot because yeah. Quinn and I are sitting there watching Tony Gurria matches just for you. And we're commenting on those Tony Gurria matches. Yeah. We're watching Playboy Buddy Rose. Unfortunately. <laughs> we're struggling through Blackjack Mulligan. <laughs> So that's our three tiers, and I guess I want to mention here, too, that we don't do 
this show that you're listening to right now, we don't do this for money, but if you want to give back to us, we've made a way where we give back to you. So that's why if you want to go over to donate at patreon.com slash OVP podcasts, we're always thankful for anyone that donates. But even if you don't, we are thankful that you listen. So go ahead and check that out. It's worth a shot, at least if you just want to look at it and see if it's for you. You know, mm-hmm. it might be for you. Uh, but Quinn, we are here to do Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. This is where each week we have put and we will continue to put four of the best of something, and it could be anything, onto Mount Rushmore, while four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. Quinn, this was actually your idea, and I think it's a good one. It fits right in line here with episode 97. It is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Nineteen ninety-seven WWF. Nineteen ninety-seven WWF. We were just talking about a lot of that, so this is nice tie-in, Michael. Right. So this is kind of another a uh, fallback Rushmore that we do a lot. Where um, yeah, we'll do we, a year. We take a year, and since you know we haven't done one this season, you know the last one we did was eighty-eight with Richard. Right. So this is going to be um, us ranking essentially uh, the best and worst of yeah. WWF in 1997. And folks, let us know yours. Obviously, you can do that on our Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com or you can just join the group and let us know there. So, Quinn, I guess you had the pick. I'll take the stick. Sure. Brett Austin feud. Well, would you say Austin himself is the best part of 1997? Because to me, not only is there that, because that is part of 96 too, mm-hmm. but I also like the um, the second half of 97 for Austin post the injury and even up to winning the intercontinental title true post the getting injured by owen hart and then like stunning vince mcmahon and all that shit the hell do you guys want Um, and more important than that how the hell did you find out where i was at we'd like to get your comments on the suspension you want me to comment on my suspension you don't look like jim ross unless you lost about 200 pounds you don't look like vince mcmahon if they want some answers they should have sent someone some authority so just Steve Austin in general? I think it's Steve Austin is like the main thing. It, I'm not doing it just to discount Brett, no, no, but no, I, I think that's part... Like, if you had said 96, maybe, right. maybe a Brett little Austin stronger yeah. there. But I really think Austin, from January to December, is like the best thing in the company. It's hard to disagree. Yeah. Because anytime you see him, he's entertaining. Right. It doesn't matter if he's wrestling or not. You can't say that about that many people any year. Right. In any company. I've never experienced a character that could be um, hurt from August to December and like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Just like, and still, he's just still the there. Point like, of the he's, show. Still, he's still beating people up. And he's funny. Yeah. And he's, he's hilarious. He really is yeah. funny. You just go down there and sit down. I'll wrap my stuff up and I'll be right with you. But don't touch nothing that don't belong to you and stick it in your grubby little pocket because I'll whip the hell out of you, son. I didn't appreciate how funny he was until later. You know it's what I mean? It's funny because I... I was like on the different boat with that with you. It's like to me, that's the Austin that I always liked was that f- more like daring but funny, like would just challenge people. One and you seem to remember the one that was more later on. Yeah, like ninety eight, ninety nine, kind of annoying or whatever. Yes, kind of annoying. The right. beer and all that stuff. And right, that, give me a hell yeah. But I was a fan because of this this ninety seven because of just the way he was like. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, he had the Brett match, right? Well, he yeah. had the Rumble performance. Right. He had Final Four. He was great at yeah. He had WrestleMania, which was his crowning achievement in 97. He had that other Brett match and the angle afterwards with the ambulance and everything with mm-hmm. Brett's knee in April. He had the Shawn Michaels tag in May. He had the King of the Ring match with Shawn in June. He had the Austin Dude Love thing yeah. in July. He had the Owen match, which was good, and then he got injured in August. And then he was still all over the show the rest of the... Yeah, it's Steve Austin. There's no, he, no he's question. He's the best part of the company. This was his year, man. Even yeah. though 98 was when he was a champion and, and definitely sold the most merch and was like the hottest thing ever. 97 from a creative standpoint, I think he's incredible. I think the WWF should always look back to this year as the perfect build to a character. There's no topping it. He was highlighted perfectly. I have no disagreement. Yeah. I am unanimous with you. Let's put him in. Let's for, do it. For number one, Stone Cold Steve Austin. What do you got, Michael? I think Sean and Brett's rivalry was something to be said. It was very up and down. It, and heated, it heated back up in around December. So I think the thing that of ninety six that I want to talk about is does Montreal screw up <laughs> kind of how the build was? Like, do you do you look back at like them overall in ninety seven with their back and forth? Because I think the reason I say them right is because I personally feel a lot of what's happening, even with Austin, is all in the orbit of Brett and Sean all year. Kind of, because Brett had his interests split between Austin and Michaels, right? Right. He was kind of dealing with both all year. Right. And sometimes he'd be focusing on one and sometimes the other. Not even just Austin. Everyone in the Hart Foundation was orbiting Brett because that was really, you know, say what you will, it was overall part of the bigger feud that was Brett and Sean. You think Because so? then DX came along and, you know, like, yeah. it's a shame that Survivor Series turned out the way it did because... The whole year, these two hate each other, and there's all these other wrestlers are like getting in the way, or like they're kind of part of the orbit of the feud. But right. the, that feud is like the planet, or whatever, the or like the sun, and like everything else is the planets. The big yellow one's the sun. The yellow one is the sun. I don't know that I was that enamored with their feud by the end of 97, though. I mean, they were supposed to fight at King of the Ring, if you recall. Do you remember that? Yes. And they got into a real-life fight in June, mm-hmm. and Michaels left yet again. And <laughs> and that w- would have been, like, a good period of time for them to fight. And then, I don't know why they fought at Survivor Series. Like, it was kind of random, yes, almost. Yes, I agree. <laughs> it was but weird. at the same time, I still think the undercurrents of it were there from January to November to when Brett left. I mean, they were always there. Okay. Always, always, always Brett Sean. Well, let me let me fork off of this for a second. Sure. What about just Brett Hart's heel turn in Correct. general? Yeah, yeah. How about that? Right. Let's discuss that because this is a guy that since 1988 had been a face and he had built a character for himself. You know, I'm a hero and you can look up to me. Right. And he was he was always a gritty worker, face or heel. Right. right? He was always like a hard hitter and he pulled no punches and he was always a little uh, confident. Right. I'll put it lightly. Uh-huh. You know, I'm the best wrestler. All that stuff. He was always like he had a bit of dickishness to him. Still, like, let's, like, let's yeah. be fair. Like it never left him from his heel days. Right. Yeah. He was just a little more upstanding He's than he used to be. Full of him by 97. And before he turns heel, he's very full of yeah, himself. And it like was great. He, yeah. It was great character work, though. Yeah. I won the Royal Rumble. I won the Final Four. I'm a four-time World Wrestling Federation champion. And I think that I deserve a little respect around here. 
he was right, but the way he did it, he was so jerky. Yeah. Like, he did get screwed all these times that he said he did. Yes, he wasn't lying. But but he was whiny about it. But it was just irritating. Like, after a while, it was like the same old fucking story. Like, shut up. (laughs) Right, exactly. We know. (laughs) You got outsmarted by the heel. Sorry. (laughs) It happens. This is what heels do. Have you not been in this company since 1985? Do you know what the fuck is going on here? Quinn, tell me what you really think. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's why, like, again, why I side with Sean a little bit more because with Sean, anytime he get fucked by the heels, it was just like, well, I'll just give it back to the like, fuck it, you it's know? True. Like, like he wouldn't just come out and whine and bitch about it. Like he would just be like, well, okay, I'll hit him in the face with a chair or something. Like you know what I mean? But how good was Brett's heel turn? It was perfect. The it snapping was, and then the, the WrestleMania. The double turn WrestleMania. And then the promo the next night and then reforming the Hart Foundation. No, it was great. And the only reason I'm going to hold up is because I still think it revolves around Brett and Sean. That, to me... Do you really? Maybe some of the fans will disagree, but I really think that that is the real message sent all fucking year. These two will fight at some point and everything else is happening around it. I mean, they did fight at some point, but it was just random and it was at Survivor Series and it wasn't very good. And it kept getting delayed. Brett like, got screwed. Yeah, I know. And, and it kept and, getting delayed. And actually, it made it. It's the weirdest feud ever to me. The fact that they didn't fight made it more interesting over time. You like, think? Yeah, because then it was anytime they didn't fight. Right. Yeah. It, allowed, it introduced more like other bullshit into it. Yeah, but at the same time, it's almost like parallels Hogan's Sting, where you're just waiting for it and waiting for it all year long, and then finally it happens, and it's not that good. The problem is with that, though, is people didn't come along. They already were along. The whole fucking NWO <laughs> yeah, and all yeah. that bullshit. You really think the Bret Hart-Michaels feud is like I think it's the not, crux of everything? I don't think it's talked about enough. I think it's like a it's an undercurrent of the year that is always driving everything. I think Brett's heel turn is better overall than anything he did with Michaels in 97. Let me play the other side of that, though. Play it. What about Sean's heel turn, which is all part of all of this anyway? Because In, in August. Because you had commented earlier in 97, you thought that was really good, too. I thought it was. I mean, I thought it was the right time to turn him heel. Are you in any way in cahoots with Bret Hart? You know, I've always known you were a Nimrod. But now, you have convinced me that you are the dumbest son of a bitch I have ever met in my life. But then they still feuded with each other. It's weird. Yeah. And again, it's it, it's the undercurrent of it all. It's it's just it's so you're so, saying you're saying take Brett's character, take Sean's character, wrap it into their feud, and put that on Mount Rushmore. Right, I'm wrapping all of this together. It's not like a knock against one or the other. No, no, no I get it, it. It's like a. I just think it's all part of the. It's all the same thing. You're saying the the animosity that Brett and Sean had for each other in '96 is the reason that they are the way they are throughout 1997. Right, and the reason a lot of other things fall the way they fall. Well, you know what? I can give you that, and, and it'll get both of our guys on in one little package there. Yeah, it's, it's not even about that. To me, it's just, it's literally the string of the year. It's just, it's the thread or whatever you want to call it. it it's the, everything is based around it. Okay, so for number two, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, their feud. Well, what are you thinking for number three then there, Michael? 
There's, um, there's good stuff. There's good matches. There's good pay-per-views. Uh, SummerSlam 97. SummerSlam 97 is very good. As the aforementioned Brett Undertaker, the five. Mm-hmm. I think Canadian Stampede is the best pay-per-view. Yes. Actually, that is the best pay-per-view. Don't I, you think? I, I, I agree. It's um, a smaller one. It's an in-your-house. It's in Calgary. It is a very, very good pay-per-view. And is it the best of 97, though, because we have so much to deal with? In terms of overall things that happened in 97, WWF? Right. Yeah. Well, can we count Vince Russo coming in? Uh, yeah. That, Most people are going to be like, he stunk and didn't do anything. But Hey, I, man, I, Vince Russo is the straw that stirs the drink. He's the Reggie Jackson, man. Yeah. Here's the thing, folks. Vince McMahon is not someone, especially in the 90s, that pays somebody to do nothing. That's WCW that right. pays people to do nothing, okay? Let's not confuse the two. WCW will pay people millions of dollars to sit home. Right. Vince McMahon, his own money... He's mm-hmm. not paying Vince Russo for all these years if he wasn't doing something helpful. Yeah, I don't think you need to defend him. I'm defending him. Hard. I never do. No, well, the reason I don't think, because I think we defend him enough on my show. I, I'm just saying. We're also very critical of him when it calls for it. Right, but I think this is the year. Um, this is where he was this good. Is, this is the year. This is Vince when he's Russo. really yeah, good. Like, this is it. You know, it started late 96. Yeah. But, and whatever just, he brought to the table, whatever is him, you could see something was different. The tone is him. That's the key part. The edginess and all That's that. Him. Yeah. He didn't book the matches. It, this is part of the reason why I was fighting so hard for Brett and Sean was because I think that a lot of that, what was going, the way that was all written out. I know they had to make adjustments because of all the fighting, but every piece of that is why it's so interesting to me. And I think it it could have only come from Vince Russo. And all the shades of gray, which he explains as real people acting like real people. Right. And not just black and white. And I know in wrestling, you need to have a heel and a face. Ultimately, you need to support one side. The best part is what Russo did during this period of time is he let you choose who who to support. Right. Yeah, a great example is, you know, there's a couple of examples. There's the double turn. The right? double turn. Because that's a result of the writing at that point, yes. right? Even down to when we start mixing reality and with Montreal, Brent and Sean are both heels. Yes. They're fighting each other <laughs> yes. at a pay-per-view for the world title. Yes. Take all the real life out of it. Well, that's what that is. Yeah. Another good example of that character work is Sid. He wasn't anything. Right. yeah. If you liked him, you liked him. If you didn't, you didn't. But they left it up to you. Right. Vince Russo was like, pick your own storybook where you like, it's like turn to page 53 yeah. if, if you want this to happen. <laughs> Choose your own adventure, right? Yeah. And it's not something you want for years and years with characters because no. then, then they're undefined. But at this particular point in time, especially after 95 and 96, there's something that's not said a lot about why 97 and 98 work so good. However, a lot of the animosity that goes on in the, these years, these the good ones, 97 and 98, is based around little tiny things that might have happened in 95 and 96. Right. Stuff that, you know, they had a feud and then it was over. And then the next time they run into each other, it's 97 and 98, right, right. you know? And, so do we give Vince Russo the nod for Rushmore? I think it, we have to because I straw that stirs the drink, right? I mean, you, you he did the, something. The backbone. He did something. Yeah. I don't know every nuance and detail of what he did, but it changed in 97. 97 is when it got good, and 97 is when Vince Russo became the head writer. Right. You want to do it? Let's do it. For number three, Vince Russo. What are your thoughts on Kane? I know he came in late in the year, but it was uh, that storyline was brewing. Yeah, very abrupt. I mean, that 
isn't that that was a Russo storyline, right? I'm pretty sure. Cornet. Oh, that was a Cornet storyline. I think so, or Pritchard, one of them. Yeah, I loved it. The idea that there was this not you know clone Undertaker, but like a <laughs> right not like, fake Undertaker. Like if the like another elemental Undertaker. <laughs> like let's just. Like he was all fire. I was right. like, this is cool. Like, because <laughs> the thing with the Undertaker is right. They'd always have like psychopaths and like big monsters Just fight him, fat guys. But they never had a guy that had magic like him. <laughs> you love the magic aspect, it's don't just you? Like the Undertaker has magic powers, right? right? So. The only way to truly combat him would be <laughs> to have another guy with magic powers, right? I would suppose so, Quinn, yes. Because it's unfair. It's Oh, it's not fair at all. Everyone that ever beat The Undertaker always, like, did it by, like, bullshit means, like, Sean or, like, yeah. or, or, like Hulk Hogan with chairs. <laughs> and like, ashes. Yeah, like, it's... it's there's just, always an urn. There's always some problem, or they, it takes the whole roster to beat him right. or something. But, like, now there's, like, a dude... Yes. That is like Undertaker's brother, and he can like stand up to him one on one, no bullshit. Like he can really beat him. That's gotta be. That's gotta be Kane. That's gotta be Kane. Yeah, it is. I think Kane was a great character. I think the way Paul Bearer, who doesn't get enough credit for his work in that, yeah, Paul Bearer before Kane it debuted, was all Paul Bearer for months. Yeah, he carried that. His right. promos were great. Right. I mean, really, Paul Bearer was like a hero in '97. He was yeah. really good, very under um, appreciated. I think so. I think the Bad Blood Hell in the Cell and Austin and Brett at WrestleMania are probably the two best matches. But is a match even going to make it, or is this bigger than a match? Is this bigger than that? I think the characters are the biggest part I of it. I think so, too. Although I think Canadian Stampede might hold a little water if we're going to put on a pay-per-view. Yeah. What about just, we talked about it very briefly last segment. What about the change to Raw is War and two hours? I mean, that was very big. That, that might that be. changed the whole company. Just the atmosphere change, the not being the le- Raw letters and like <laughs> yeah. not aircraft carriers or whatever. But like it mattered. Yeah. That mattered that it uh, that it changed. Yeah. What about just the change in general, the edginess of the product? Oh, you mean the attitude era? I mean... (laughs) Is that what you're trying to say? If only there were a name for this new change in direction that was gritty and and had more attitude. I know, I know. You could riff on it, but... I'm uh, riffing. I'm just... Just call me Joe Rifkin. To me, that's the most apparent biggest thing of the entire year. You mean the attitude era? Right. That it is there. That it's present. Even though people say WrestleMania 14, some people say King of the Rain 96. Yeah. I say it really started to become a thing in 97. Can we put that as a thing on Rushmore? Is that, I've, we've never, Is it tangible? we've never put a, like a an aesthetic? possible <laughs> intangible thing yeah, right. like on it. It's an aesthetic. It's yeah. a vibe. It's a feel. But it is, it is, I don't know. I think Russo might have encompassed that. Russo represent yeah, that, I guess. Yeah, okay, so, so let's not. So why then. don't we, but what about the two-hour Raw, switching to Raw's war, competing with Nitro? Does that hold any merit? I don't think that mattered, and I'll tell you why. Because really? I don't think, not that the rebranding wasn't important. I mean that the going to two hours thing. That like, mattered, I thought. They had to match what WCW was putting it out. It mattered, and it didn't, because even the one-hour episodes, it was still the same fucking show. Like, it was still the concept yeah, that was still there. You know was. what I mean? Like, the, the same edginess. And I watched the one hours just as much as I watched the two hours. It, yeah. didn't, it didn't change anything. But the extra hour gave them time to develop a lot more of these things and gave, gave way, for better or for worse, to the 20-minute opening promo. 
I mean, I'm just saying. I think Canadian Stampede should go on. I feel like I could go any direction with this. Because I don't want to put a, a match on with Austin, Brett, or Sean because we put them on already. Right. So I feel like it's redundant to put like one of their matches on. Okay. I will go with you on Canadian Stampede. It's really because good, there's folks. there's so many things, honestly. Yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff. Like, there, we could be missing a ton of things. But just to run down briefly, Canadian Stampede, it has a really good match between uh, Mankind and Triple H. It has a really good match between Undertaker and Vader. Yeah. It has a really good match between uh, Takamichinoku and Great Sasuke. Mm-hmm. It has something else, I oh, think. yeah, it has that weird cruiserweight yeah. match. It's good. Yeah. It has something else, I think, that I'm not remembering. And it has the Big Ten Man with Austin Shamrock, Legion of Doom, Goldust against the Heart Foundation. Right. And it's in Canada. The crowd is amazing. And it's great. It's a compact two-hour show that you should check out if you haven't ever seen it before. It's yeah, really good. Yeah, it's like watching good. a Raw, so it's, yeah. it's, it's it's easy to watch. And it's from Calgary. It's yeah. just really good. So are we okay putting that on as I'll number four? It, I'll put it on. It, it is really good. It is really yeah. good. So for number four, Canadian Stampede. Well, to recap for Donnie, our Mount Rushmore of WWF in 1997 is Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels' Bret Hart feud, Vince Russo, and in your house, Canadian Stampede. Quinn, that is four of the best. Why don't you kick it off with one of the worst? Truth Commission. <laughs> now Horrible. We, now, you're talking about the Commandant version? Yeah, yes. Especially? Yes. yes. <laughs> I love any time we have to bring up the Commandant. Me and my commandos have come to America to remind all of you of what a great nation America really was. Ah, I hate all of it. Like, it's all bad. So let's not mislead you, folks. Not everything in 1997 was good. Hey, I mean, you can't. There's a lot of shit that we also sat through. Right. Right. And on every good Raw, mm-hmm. there was still a lot of bullshit that no one yep. cared about. And that's one of them. Why don't yep. you explain the whole truth? Commission? I don't know. This like, I don't even know what they are. Like, they're like South African troops or something. Like, I think so. Um, They're now, in the World Wrestling Federation for I don't know why. Now, what is the truth that they're commissioning? <laughs> What uh, that they- they're good? I don't <laughs> Honestly, the like, name, what does that mean? The Truth Commission only the name made more sense when um Cyrus the Virus came in or whatever. Yeah, Don Cal- what was Don his name? Cal- the Jackal? The Jackal. With the stupid uh, jewel on his head. Yeah, he's like David Koresh. <laughs> you know that JR would always say every week. The David Koresh of the World Wrestling Federation. Like, and you know what's funny about him saying that? As like a fucking like eleven or twelve year old, I'm like what the, f- what the, the fuck f- is that? Who the fuck is David Koresh? That was the cult leader with the Waco thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, but I didn't know that at the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. But he keeps saying it, so I only know the name David Koresh. <laughs> and thanks to the, the wonderful power of Wikipedia, like, <laughs> later on in my life, I knew who David Koresh was. But but before David Koresh, there was the Commandant, who was an actor that Bret Hart met in <laughs> South Africa. And he comes out, and he's, like, bitching about what? I don't remember, like, what they cared about. I don't know. One they, of the guys was Bull Buchanan. Yes, and also the other guy was Kurgan. And the other one was No One Cares. <laughs> it was Sniper, Recon, Recon, and The Interrogator, which was Kurgan. Right. Now, did you know, Quinn, there's also a USWA offshoot what? of the no. Truth Commission, and one of the guys was uh, Mantar in a mask. Come on! Tank. <laughs> Horrible! Now, the Commandant would not last. The Jackal came in, and they like maintained the military gimmick for a while, but then eventually it was just like, we're angry bullies. Didn't they devolve into the oddities somehow they're kind of tied together (laughs) well it was basically like the jackal stayed with kurgan the whole time but kurgan turned on snikey and uh and repo man there yeah and um jackal stayed with them and they were still heels but then all of a sudden like paulo silva came in (laughs) 
with a swishy pants and Golga, and then they just became the oddities. Wait, was David Koresh in the in the like um yes. oddities? He started it. It was called the Jackal's Parade of Human Oddities. He had like Hank the angry drunken dwarf. Oh right. Remember all yeah, that? And yeah. it was all bad and it's all because of the commandant. Fuck! People are using my name on the online now and they screwed up two of my best friends lies a very good okay now what about it's the- all bad just get it out of here i it's it's so bad like it's insulting that that shit existed did you like any of the truth commission matches i didn't care <laughs> they they come in and be like oh ted hunt and then just like i don't know they beat up somebody and just leave it's just confusing in the world where bret hart hates sean michaels and, and steve Austin, yeah. like knocking people's toilets over and giving people swirlies that there's like a military group that wants to take over the world wrestling federation <laughs> that's not even like number one in the ratings there's like no value to the company by that point you know what i mean right yeah. it's like it's like taking over nothing <laughs> okay quinn you've made you've made a good case it's just a- battleground for people who are very angry that they didn't get pushed. Bull Buchanan would be the best one to come out of yeah. that, too, which is funny. Uh, you, this, I the, wouldn't say best. I would. Bull Buchanan is a fantastic wrestler. I would say um, Don Callis. I mean, like that guy. He's very callous. I like him. <laughs> okay. But there's no way the Truth Commission is getting knocked off of this, so we'll put him in. We'll get yeah. it over with. For number one, the Truth Commission. Die, die, die. I can't believe they're connected to the oddities, if you really think it's about horrible. it. It's yeah. horrible. May I present to you, Quinn, Rockabilly? <laughs> That's a weird one. I did not expect you to bring that one up. Well, it was I mean, that's, really bad. That shit sucked. That's what everyone makes fun of when they think of 1997. It's like the Rockabilly, the endless Rockabilly Jesse James feud. <laughs> and then they were just the New Age Outlaws, yeah. and they were awesome. The feud was horrible, Quinn. I mean, Jesse James too can make that valley. Why were they feuding? Because they liked music, and he was like, <laughs> "I'm better at the music." Or what? What is the feud? Well, I think it was first of all, Jesse James still hadn't been with his baby tonight, and he couldn't wait. Right. So he was all fed up. Yeah. Honky tonk man. Why what? is he there? <laughs> like, he, he's just there, and he's all like, "I'm gonna find the biggest star ever." Yeah. And- you know what? Honky Tonk Man might trump Rockabilly. Why was Honky Tonk Man there? Well, what I didn't understand is, like, I thought we were done with this country music shit after <laughs> Jeff Jarrett left. And Honky Tonk Man's just like, no, we need more country music. We need to find yeah. And it, it's almost like Honky, like, missed Jarrett by, like, a week or something. Like, he was like, oh, man, I could have found him, and he wasn't here, so now Rockabilly. <laughs> Why was Honky Tonk Man there? Though? I don't get it. Well, it was questionable enough that W. <laughs> CW hired him in 94. Yeah. Now we're bringing him in in 97. I and mean, he just sits there in his stupid honky tonk man outfit. <laughs> Why can't he wear like normal clothes? Like it's the 90s, bro. Like go <laughs> like stop it. Why was he there though? But and then yeah, so Jesse James wanted to be with his baby. Honky wanted uh, Jesse James to be with him. Jesse James said, no, thank you. I need to be with my baby. Hit him with a guitar. So Honky's like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to bring in the best country music guy ever. And it's Billy Gunn. Yeah. Uh, a guy who uh, was known as Mr. Ass. What about just all of that? The, tr- the that, triad? That triad that of feud? shit. Did and you care about it? The, 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 the best part about it was that at the end, when they both like were like, fuck Honky Tonk Man, <laughs> yeah. and they beat him up, and then they became the New Age Outlaws. Jesse James! Oh, look out! Look out! Oh! 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 
They beat they were, the honky tonk man. They up. were fighting each other, and they were like, "Why?" Like over the honky tonk. Who cares? <laughs> and then they beat him up, and then the next week they hit the headbangers with the kaboom box, and they were awesome. Yeah, to make sure that they stayed heels, right? Because right? yeah. beating up honky would make you a face back then, right? Exactly. He's terrible. Uh, can I also throw at you, Quinn? Because it was another never-ending thing. The DOA Los Bariquas feud. Fuck! With the oh. NOD, but they were, the nation was okay. Yeah, that was shitty. DOA, white supremacist biker gang. It was bad. I mean, really? And then Los Bariquas were... The problem with Los Bariquas is not that they're bad wrestlers. It's that no one cared. Well, they're also very hairy. That well, the one problem. guy... And number one is like Jose Estrada Jr. Yeah, I, And the other... When Savio is heading wait, up a he's, stable... he's really related to Jose Estrada, like the hero of championship wrestling yeah the b hero like the second the sub hero yeah the sub boss of championship wrestling right he's johnny rod's underling yeah (laughs) he's the goro for johnny rods no but like when savio vega when quang is heading up your stable get the fuck out of that stable yeah and crush and the other one to me it was the fact that savio was leading it was the poorest part of it all because he's just not charismatic we'd known of crush (laughs) yeah we knew prison crush we were we knew he was reformed now. We now knew, he was, in a you know, gang. he was purple crush, and we knew who this guy was. But Savio, to me, didn't have enough chutzpah. Uh, yeah, he didn't have enough chutzpah. To That's be, a Yiddish word. Yeah, uh, but you're right. That's the exact <laughs> right word for it. He Thank you, Quinn. Well, you would enough, know. He didn't have enough chutzpah to um, be the number one guy in a group. I don't know. He just sucked. <laughs> <laughs> can I just put Los Bariquas only because at least I can give the DOA like. Something. You know how like, usually Quinn gives me a look? I give Quinn a look for that one. <laughs> how about just the whole triad with the nation? Yeah, thing? Like, it was endless and it was horrible. Yeah, to me, that was worse because the nation was part of it. Until the nation broke away from that garbage, yeah. like, they sucked. You're right. The nation was and bad. And it was annoying because the nation coming into that year was cool as hell. It was like, oh, man, they're, they're so badass. It was promising. It was very promising. Then they lost the Legion of Doom and all that. And then they're like, let's all fight each other in these three <laughs> factions that stink. For like six months. It wasn't until The Rock came along in the nation and said, nah, 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 we're not fighting them yeah, anymore. Like we're, like, getting, we're stopping this shit. We, yeah, we're, we're not trying to like be anything. Right. We just want to win titles. Meanwhile, DOA and Barik was just never. They, they just like, like, well, if Nation doesn't want in, we'll just fight each other. Yeah, Crush leaves WWF yeah. at the end of 97. They still like DOA is still a thing but is any of this worse than the sultan um possibly not ought to now the sultan we talked about last week because he he wrestled this year yeah yeah see like there's still bad things in 97 folks don't don't think that we're ignorant of that we sat through it and what i remember about stuff like the rockabilly and the Mm -hmm. hunky and uh the sultan and the doa is not caring and just being like Where's Bret Hart? Where's Shawn Michaels? Where's yeah. Steve Austin? Where's Mankind even? <laughs> yeah, you're just like, I don't want to watch these people. Yeah, it wasn't like, no one cared. I need to reiterate that. Nobody <laughs> cared. Nobody <laughs> cared. Nobody cared. <laughs> yeah, people like to act like everyone was over. That's not true. Not 97. 98, 98. everyone everyone was over. But yeah. 97, but no. I have a feeling that a lot of these holdover gimmicks like Rockabilly, that ain't a Vince Russo idea. What about idea. like the new Blackjacks? Like, <laughs> like fucking like, like yeah. Godwin's still around. Furnace like, and Philip LaFon. Yeah, all that crap. Yeah, like, all of that no one cared about. Like I didn't anyway. <laughs> this is why I find 97 interesting is because there is holdovers from New Generation. There they're, is. They're, they're still there. It's still there. Let me ask you this. On March 3rd, 1997 was an infamous Monday Night Raw. 
March 3rd, 1997 was a Monday Night Raw that uh, aired from Berlin, Germany with like the dimmest camera in the <laughs> yes, world. Yes, this... Ugh. That they like forgot to wipe the lens off or <laughs> something. Raw it was like, sucks. This Raw got like a one point whatever and Vince had had enough and that's when he called upon Vince Russo yeah. to really start changing things up. Tonight, the eyes of the world are once again on Berlin. Eight superstars have battled for seven nights in seven cities for the honor of being the first European champion. That Raw is only saved, I think, but I wanted to bring it up because Owen and Bulldog have a hell of a match for the European title. Yeah, but the... The rest of it is poop fest. <laughs> I can't believe how bad... Remember when we watched it recently because we were like, you had told me the story about how Vince said it sucked or something? Yeah, he actually... Which that's is, known. Which, in Vince terms, it's very rare that Vince says anything that he puts on TV is bad. It's true. So for him to say this sucked... Makes it a infinitely more interesting show. Right. And I watched it. It fucking sucks. It sucks. It's like a house show tape from Germany, but <laughs> they made it an episode of Raw. It was it's really, really shitty. Really poor. However, uh, I cared about probably nothing less than the Rockabilly, Honky Tonk Man, um, Jesse James Triangle of Terror. So I'd like to put that on Death Valley. Let's put it in. For number two, the country music people. Okay, we're just going <laughs> to call it that because that's, that's what the hell it was and it was all terrible. Die, die, die. Okay, good. So what you're trying to say is the DOA Barik was a nation of domination if you should go in? Yes. <laughs> it's horrible. It really is, folks. And uh, if you liked it, I've never met someone that did. So <laughs> for number three, the gang wars, as they call them. Die, die, die. All right, we got one more spot when we got the Truth Commission in there. We have the uh, the Goody. country the country music feud. Yeah. We have the gang wars. We need one more. Now, the new Blackjacks, I don't think, are as bad as the Sultan. I and can't believe whatever. I'm saying that sentence. Let's, okay. Let's, it's like fucking 1997 bingo over here. Let's lay into the Sultan for a second. So here comes this big fat guy who didn't make a difference very well. No, very he, poor He's difference. like Shredder from from arabia or something yeah like i don't know is he from somewhere specific do they say i don't know they just say generically like arabia he might be from iran like the sheik but he did debut in 96 but he was there for all of 97 which is why i wanted to bring him up you know he was there at the end i really felt like he was not around after wrestlemania 13 he left in like january of 98 or something shit he was there a long time the sultan making short work of his opponent and a look of concern justifiably Rocky the best of luck to you at Wrestlemania shut up bitch I'm trying to think of the worst new generation carryover that they still had for 97 that's one of them like Salvatore Sincere was another one Tom he was, Brandy yeah that was the very end of the year he became Tom Brandy or maybe 98 I really think the Sultan is the one I can think of the most. And folks, if we're missing anything, obviously, that's we do want to hear from you because so many things happened in 97. A lot of good stuff. Like We didn't even talk about DX as a potential for yeah. Rushmore. It's a good thing the Brawl for All didn't happen in 97 <laughs> because that would be in. What about Butterbean? He was 97. Who did he fight? Mark Marrow, remember? Butterbean, you fat... Oh, that's that year? Tub! I thought that was 98. Of cra- Oh, I got one that can make Death Valley. Sergeant Slaughter, Triple H from DX in your house. <laughs> that is sorry. <laughs> That's one of the worst pay-per-view matches of the entire year. It's bad. Big but, fat Sergeant Slaughter. He looks like but, a golfer. Let me defend. One, Why do you have to defend one, anything? One defense. What? It's fucking hilarious. Like the whole them beating up Sergeant Slaughter always cracks me up because fuck him. Like he's so annoying. Oh, ma- he's horrible the whole year, by the way. He is. He comes in and you think it's like promising, and then it's he's, annoying because of that. He's right? a big buffoon the whole he rest of the year. Fucking sucks. 
oh, he's like the one of the worst authority figures ever. Like he's not effective. He always like baby powder in its face, and he's spitting all over people, and he stinks. And I don't like him. But is he <laughs> fat, <laughs> bald, <laughs> fucking horrible? But his match with Triple H is really, really poor. Yeah, but no shit. I didn't go into that thinking it was going to be good. <laughs> yeah, Did you're you right. have expectations? No, no, no. Did you think he was going to be the Sergeant Slaughter of 1991 or something, which wasn't no. even that good anyway? <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, I got one. I got one worse than that. Unnecessary, mistimed, and I don't care who tries to justify it. The Patriot. Yeah, I never got that. What even Horrible. why did that happen? I guess cuz they were in the middle of the What that did for me is it watered down the USA versus Canada feud yeah. to like the worst level. Cuz now it's like <laughs> Brett has to deal with this ass like this chucklehead. Who is this? <laughs> like they were like he's well known. I'm like where? I don't, I've never heard of him in my life. Well, Stars and Stripes in WCW, of course. I didn't know about that. So I was like who is this idiot? That might have been right before your time actually. Yeah, Stars I and Stripes. literally had no clue what the fuck this was. I thought they cuz they talked about him in reverence like he was like some big fucking hero and like the best Sucks. wrestler ever like they talked about him like i was supposed to know him like the ultimate warrior or something <laughs> like i swear Bret Hart, not only do i not like the things that you've been saying about my country i don't think i like you very much who cares and what did he do he came in he was like i don't like you Bret Hart, because you don't like america love it or leave it i mean he didn't have that much of a drawl did he I don't know, but I want to pretend that he did. I, I don't think he did. And then Brett's like, you know, I don't care, you know, because all you Americans are assholes. And then that watered down that feud, and it like watered down Brett and the Patriots. Brett just beat him too. Yeah. Like it wasn't. There was nothing to that feud. Wasn't there some horrible tag match like Brett and Bulldog against Patriot and wasn't Vader? That thing part of the reason Brett he was going to leave because I thought that was like he Vince was, wanted them to leave. No, but I mean that that was like them having like nothing for Brett to do. Wasn't that part of that? It was intentionally them having nothing for Brett to do, probably, yeah. <laughs> but I hated the Patriot angle. And I'm an American. I'm not anti-American. It I wasn't just... about that. It was just, who is this person? And why is he here now? He's kind of like Corporal Kirshner, right? You're he's like, a little Corporal, yeah. Like, you're like, he's the shittier version of the yeah. American characters. And the thing was, is it kind of made it too cartoony. Yeah, he was too new generation yeah. for the time he was in. This is a gritty year, 97. You know, Brett was feuding with Awesome and a blood feud. Brett was feuding with Sean. They hated each other. You know, this was a real thing. And then, also, he he was so if he was so noble, why did he have a mask on? Well, I don't get it. I think we should put him in just for that, Quinn. I hated the Patriot shit. Now, now the Sultan's worse. Yeah. Okay. You know what? But, you just say that. I gotta. I gotta go with Sultan. He was on a WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> he was seeing our continental title match against yeah. the Rock. He's so bad. Okay, the Sultan I'll give. Shit. I'll give you. You. You stayed safe this time, Patriot. But yeah. I, next time. Next time we're coming for you. All right. So for number four, the Sultan. Yeah. Die, die, die. Well, to recap for Donnie, don't check any of this out. We have our Death Valley of 1997, the Truth Commission, including the Commandant, the uh, Rockabilly Jesse James Honky Tonk Man Love Triangle, the Gang Wars. Right. Ugh and the Sultan. Folks, that is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of 1997. But when we come back, it's one of my least favorite things about 1997. It's the WCW, and it's coming up right after this. It's time to hit the beach. It's time to ride the wave. It's WCW's Bash at the Beach. Yeah, right. 
Hollywood Hogan and the newest bad boy with the NWO, Dennis Rodman. They don't know what the was going to hit them. Are going to crash the bash. The hottest duo in the world of professional wrestling is coming their way. WCW's Bash at the Beach. Sunday, July 13th, live and only on pay-per-view. Call your cable or satellite company to order now. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us here on episode number 97. Quinn, we always like to give each and every week some love to our friends of the show, fellow podcasters, if you will. (laughs) They're they're good guys, all these guys, and we have a few friends that we want you to check out. Check them out after you listen to us here. Number one, it's the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, W-P-A-N. Now, this is a show that comes out every single Monday, and you can listen to them right after us if you want to. It's hosted by two guys that actually work and have worked in the wrestling business. One of them is an independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus. Mean Mike Crockett, Big Daddy himself. Big Daddy Crockett. Big Daddy Crockett. And he's joined each and every week by ROH's own, a professional wrestler, the Wine City Whaler Quinn, Brian Malonis. Yes, one of the uh, luminaries who hopefully will make it to the Madison Square Garden. That's right. Up, coming up in April, we'll yep. be there. We'll be on hand. We'll be starting that Wine City Whaler chant. Now, is it Madison Square Gardens or Madison Square Garden? One garden. There's only one? Singular. Hmm. It seems big enough to hold more than one garden in it. <laughs> it does. Now, folks, each and every week, WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing, they bring their unique perspective as guys that have worked in the business. So they'll give you a little perspective uh, on their end, but some current, a little retro, maybe the best of something or the worst of something. Really great show. Check them out. WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. Also check out on Thursdays. I'm not talking about Seinfeld, Quinn. I'm not talking about Friends. I'm not talking about the single guy. I'm talking about greetings from Allentown. GF Allentown. That's hosted by one man, and that's our little brother, Quinn, Petey Winston. Yeah, little baby Petey. Little baby Petey. He's an artiste. He takes a uh, an old episode of wrestling. He'll use that as his canvas. He's like a Bob Ross of wrestling podcasts, and he'll paint a happy little memory of Lowell, Massachusetts. The Mall of America. Baseball game. Yeah, baseball games. His cat. And yeah. His cat's medicine and stuff like that. Right. It's a whole yeah. thing. But check that out. It's a great show. It's unique. It's a one-man show, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like you're really getting a full podcast experience there it's, with Petey. It's a solid show. I, really, I enjoy it. Really good show. I do as well. Lots of pop culture references. It's a the brother show, as he calls it, to our vantage point. So, Why is it not the sister show? Because we're not women. Is WPAN the sister? Yes. So it's <laughs> greetings from Allentown, GF Allentown. Check them out. And also check out Book in the Territory. Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. Now, what they do is really cool because they are like the Southern Fried version of OVP. They're the unprofessional wrestling podcast, Quinn. So they'd be like the cousin. Yeah, they're like a cousin. <laughs> yeah. They're the inbred cousin yeah. of OVP. They cuss even more than we do. Okay, so Petey's the brother. Yeah. WP and the sister. Definitely. Booking the Territory. They're like our second cousin they're or something like that. They're second cousin <laughs> yeah, twice that, removed. That you might or might not be able to marry depending on your local, you know, law and stuff like right, that. Right, okay. But check them out. That's Book in the Territory. Great show. They do some NWA and some Smoky Mountain stuff. The Southern Friday version of OVP. So that's our three friends of the show. WPAN, Greetings from Allentown, and Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. But Quinn, uh, yeah, we're reviewing <laughs> something. I liked this show. I didn't What? Lo- I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I didn't I like just, it. I, I enjoyed it. Stinks. It was a fun time. All right, so this is what this is. Quick background here. So by 1997, WCW Monday Nitro was on top of the ratings wars. I sound like that announcer, Ted Turner's WCW, was on top of the ratings wars. I mean, it's true. But it is true. This is 10 days before my birthday. 
It is actually ten days before your eleventh birthday, Michael, okay, and yeah. you, were, you were probably watching this. Oh, it was I on definitely a watched this. Now, a little tidbit for you: we mentioned Nitro is on TNT. Now, TNT also was notable for carrying the NBA basketball playoffs. That's Turner Network Television. That's right, Quinn. Have uh, sports. <laughs> Turner, we have sports. In May of every single year, uh, the NBA playoffs happen, and Nitro would actually, much like the WWF, would get like preempted entirely for the tennis or the dogs. You see, this is a better preempt, though. It is, because they get an hour. But the NBA is, like, a way better. (laughs) That's something to actually preempt wrestling. It is. So they would be on at 7 o'clock. So actually an hour before Raw. And this is a few weeks of this every year for a little while. We decided to do a one-hour Nitro just to give you a little piece of what was going on smack dab in the middle of WCW in 97. We talked a lot about the WWF. So we wanted to give you some WCW. So this is May 5th, 97. It's a one-hour Nitro. And we get a nice little cold open here. Last week, the NWO beat up Ric Flair for a while while Piper just kind of watched from yeah, the like, ring. I guess he eventually helped because they said, why did it take you so long yeah. or something? But this, I don't know. He thought Flair could take him or something. I, I don't get it. This is in the middle of a horrible angle where Roddy yeah. Piper wore a shirt that said Icon on it. And he, well, he rambled. was the Icon, right? Yeah, he was the Icon. And Piper would just ramble every week, and Ric Flair would sometimes be with him, and sometimes Piper would try to assemble, like, stables of jobbers that included, like, John Tenta. Yeah. Until Flair was like, no, I'll just help you, because this is really shitty. Okay. I don't remember most of this angle, yeah, other than, stunk. like, Kevin Green and yeah. weirdness. But- <laughs> Kevin Green. So, speaking of them, actually, we open up now with Piper, Flair, and Kevin Green. They're at the announcer's desk. And this NWO banner keeps, like, falling that down. That was funny. Come on. Hey, where'd this come from? It's not us. Get, it me... Get some pee on it. Come on, here. Get it out of here. See, this is a funny start to this show, if you ask me. It is, because it keeps, like, dropping in front of them, and Piper keeps getting annoyed. They actually don't say anything because it just keeps happening. It's funny. Like, they're just like, oh, fuck it. It's and then, comedic. Like, then they, like, op- hit the opening video. Like yeah. I said, so, oh, and yeah, all that shit. The floor is on fire. Yeah. I think Lex Luger, as I was looking, Quinn, Lex Luger replaced Hogan on the building. Oh, okay. Because remember, it used to be yellow and red Hogan ripping his shirt off. Now it, it's Luger. In my opinion, this is a good move, and I'll tell you why. Because if it's WCW Nitro, Correct. there shouldn't be any NWO guys. They yep. don't work for WCW. Absolutely, so they should focus on WCW stars. That's right. And uh, we we open now. Tony, Larry Zabisco, unfortunately, and Bobby yeah. Heenan are with us as the NWO flyers are falling from the sky. More on that later. But yeah, I thought it was stupid at the time, but then we'll see. Quinn figured it out. I figured it out. You'll yeah. you'll find out a little bit later. We're live from Lakeland, Florida. Which, if you don't know much of Florida. That's about 45 minutes west, I want to say, of Orlando. Are we in Hogan country, technically? Uh, I mean, Hogan's from Tampa, St. Pete. We're not horribly far from Hogan, but we're okay. more near Orlando. Okay. A Mike Fireball can correct me on so, that. So we're closer to Shaq if it's the 90s. <laughs> yeah, we're closer to Shaq. So anyway, Piper Flair and Kevin Green are now in the ring. Now, Quinn... You asked, why is Kevin Green here? Now, can we explain Kevin Green's history with the WCW? Okay, so back in like 96, I want to say, there was this whole angle, and it's how they introduced Mongo. As a wrestler. Right, so Mongo teamed up with Kevin Green to fight the Four Horsemen, uh, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson at a pay- Anderson at a pay-per-view, yeah, while right? Bo- while Bobby Heenan coached. While Bobby Heenan coached. And at the end of the match, Mongo turned on him, hit him with the Halliburton, yep. that, with the promised monies, yep, and from Mongo the became heel and was part of the Horsemen, and Green just never came back until now. Yeah, for some reason, Roddy Piper brings him back in to help fight the NWO. But this is really dumb because <laughs> yes, Kevin Green... If he hates Ric Flair, 
because of that thing, right? right? Why is he all of a sudden friends with him? And the only thing I can explain is like, WCW is a very different place than it was when then that happened. So. That's true. You got to consider the climate, right? Right. He also looks like a big dork the whole time and he right. doesn't say a single word. I don't like Kevin Green in general in wrestling. I don't know why he was here. I don't know like, why either. To me, he wasn't a big star. And I think we mentioned it in the like the nutshell segment yeah. where like WCW, they clearly were reaching to try to get a mainstream thing going. Yeah, but Kevin Green? He was on the, I think, Green Bay Packers, I want to say. Maybe the Panthers at or, this yeah, point. Yeah, some football team. And that's yeah. football, no matter what you want to say, football is mainstream. Of course it is. So I don't think anyone would disagree with right. that. So, like, any football player who's, like, moderately a star in a football team is definitely seen by more eyes than that's a professional true, wrestler. I'll give you that. So, Kevin Green is, like, I get the reasons. But he it's sucks. Just, he sucks. Yeah. yeah. So, in Piper's rambling promo, he says paper, like, six times. So all I see is paper. I stood here with paper falling down. Flair, I looked at that paper, and I tried to read that paper. Then they're talking about purse money over so and over again. I love this, by the way. I love that the purse money. <clears throat> so the NWO apparently has, because Bischoff is now with them, right? Yeah. And he's nefarious, but he controls all the contracts, right? Yes. Bischoff has it set up that the NWO gets like 75. 75% of the purse money. Now, No I matter think, what. Now, Joe, you were crapping on this, but I'm thinking to myself, Gorilla would love this angle. <sighs> like he would, this is... An angle revolving the purse money. Well, the reason I was crapping on it is because more useless than Sergeant Slaughter, J.J. Dillon wanders in to interrupt Piper, and he's like, yeah, people are playing games with the purse money, but Bischoff wrote some sweet deals for the NWO, so there's nothing I can do. That's J.J. Dillon's whole 1997 is, there's nothing I can do. I can't do a thing about that. He sucks. He does have some power. He doesn't do anything that matters. What about that time he, like, fucked Jericho over? That's Remember, in like 98. Don't yeah, worry about that. I'm just saying that. he has power of of some kind. His 97 is terrible. Anyway, Flair hugs Piper. He calls out Hall, Nash, and Six. That would be Sean Waltman. Hmm. Flair promises that there won't be a pothole in the road in Charlotte. When you drive out of Charlotte, there will not be a pothole in the road. Here at the North Carolina Department of Transportation, our crews work proactively to maintain and repair about 80,000 miles of state-maintained roads. This was a horrible opening segment, Quinn. It was rambly Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. It was J.J. Dillon being useless. And it was fr- Flair like the most uninspired Ric Flair ever. It was terrible, Quinn. See, this There's is where, nothing compelling about it. This is where I disagree with you. I think you're picking on it. The one thing I have to say is it's more exciting than anything I, I've usually would see in the post-competition era here, the post-Monday Night War. I don't know. There's, I mean, you're cutting it close They're there. talking about stuff. People are running out. Things are happening. Like, stuff is going on, is my point. It's not like a... This is a better rambling 20-minute promo than, you know, normally we would get nowadays. Maybe, but I don't think it's fair to compare the two, you know, because... I'm just, that's all, all I'm saying is that it, it's not great, but it's also, like, at least something's happening. So that's something. Public Enemy's music hits. They wander out. You also said to me, Quinn, why are they so dumpy in WCW? I hate that they did this to Public Enemy. They're just like big losers. They are. They look like goofs, but, you know, what are you going to do? At least Rocco Rock got a paycheck and Johnny Grunge. (laughs) At least they got a paycheck, right? I must admit, they did good work in ECW. They They deserve to get their payday. They did, and WCW was known for just paying people for no reason. That's nice. Uh, Speaking of which, Larry Zabisco is extremely annoying as usual, but he actually says, I was caught off guard, New World (laughs) Order. You can end the reign of the New World Order. It's 
So anyway, uh, <laughs> Public Enemy's opponents, Quinn, are the Dungeon of Doom's own. Wait, what? Yes, Conan <laughs> and Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart. How does the Dungeon of Doom still exist? <laughs> it's know. May of '97. <laughs> what the hell? What, what? are the, What are they even doing? First of all, these guys, right? Yeah. They hate Hulk Hogan. Yeah, everyone does. Wouldn't the NWO be their like number one enemy? You and would they think. have like one thousand people in that faction too. They could like beat up the NWO. This is during like the grittier reality era for the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. You know, no more no more absurd gimmicks, just Conan and like his checked shirt and humor. Conan was the most realistic like version. <laughs> it was very street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they also bring a table out like Public Enemy did. And uh we have a fat bald ref who I think is John Finnegan from ECW, Quinn. It's not. I, I'm almost Positive. This guy's always in WCW. I, I just think, think so. you don't watch enough Nitros. No, I don't. I think yeah, I watched I, all of the and Nitros. That's fair. That's fair. I watched it every week when it came out. Yeah, but I mean, it, like recently. When was the last time you watched like a Nitro recently? When I wanted to hurt myself. So they brawl amongst the exactly. papers on the floor, and Public Enemy tries to table Jimmy Hart. Yeah, but this guy was in ECW earlier, is what I'm saying. He wasn't. This isn't the same guy. I don't think it's him. It's absolutely the same guy, and if I have to put in video proof right now of them saying the referee's name, I will do it right about here. So they brawl amongst the papers on the floor. Public Enemy tries to put Jimmy Hart through a table. Grunge poorly dives through two sta- uh, tables that are stacked up. It looked cool, though. For, like, 1997, you don't get to see that shit. One of them up. didn't break. It didn't look that good. Yeah, it, like, the, other one, the other one, like, imploded. <laughs> like, Jimmy, did you see that? Yeah, Jimmy pulls Conan out of the way. By the way, you were saying that Rocka Rock's, like, short hair is very disorienting. Yeah, I, I like, where's his dreads? Like, <laughs> I this know, is I, odd. Yeah, it's just, like, a nice, like, short business or, haircut. Or do-rag, one or the other. Yeah. Like, usually, that's usually what he wears. Yeah. A uh, nice springboard moonsault by Rocco onto both guys. I love Rocco Rock, by the way. I just wanted to say Rocco's awesome. Too. He's the like, athlete. Yeah. Rocco. He's also seems to be the more experienced one, but grunge is bolder. He's the sag. I mean, the knobs. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He's yeah. the knobs. of I don't, public I, enemy. I don't want to compare. You want to lower them to yeah, knob the, standards. The public enemy is way better than uh, nasty boys. So. so anyway, the crowd weakly boos the uh, question man and Conan. There yeah, is this a tornado tag? I, apparently, I don't like, think they said so because there's been no tags or people yeah, are just flying <laughs> all over the place. It's like ECW. Yeah. Rocco tries to dive on a Conan onto a table, but humorous there reverses into a vertical suplex onto Conan through the table for the win, which was cool. Yeah, cool, cool finish. finish. Um, I have no bad things to say about that match. Except the heels won. Keep that in mind. Our next match is allegedly going to be Rey Mysterio versus Six. <laughs> uh, Rey's entrance, he throws spider webs at the camera. Yeah, he's wearing the Spider-Man costume that yep. he had. But this, I thought that was awesome that he actually had the spider webs, yeah. like acknowledging that that's what it is. Yo, humps. Last week, Nash powerbomb Mysterio. Good. Uh, six and the Outsiders all come out in street clothes. What is your problem with Ray here, by the way? You keep saying good. And I don't, you don't like, like him. Laugh. You were laughing. I've never the whole liked Ray Mysterio in WCW. Really? He's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. He's unquestionably talented, very influential cruiserweight wrestler, and I don't like him. They okay. can be mutually exclusive. That's I don't have fine. to like him. That's fine. Anyway, as the Outsiders enter, Mark Curtis is like wondering what's going on because six. Has his jeans and NWO shirt on right, and no cruiserweight belt. Yeah, but the title's supposed to be on the line. Allegedly. Yeah. You were you were ranting. I didn't put in the notes, but you were ranting about how like six was like unwarrantedly the champion I forever. I hated it. Why? He comes into this division that's like vibrant and yeah. active and there's people fighting over the belt. Like it's a it's a very busy division right. and it's good, right? Yeah. And he comes in and he's like, fuck you all. I'm from WWF, <laughs> NWO motherfuckers, and just takes the belt and like it's just with him until he fucking leaves. Like 
Like, it's true. It is. No, I know. Anyway, as Mark Curtis wonders what's going on here, Ray blocks a Bronco Buster from six. Which that was is good. Cool. Yep. Nash distracts the ref while Ray, <laughs> Razor hits a racer's edge on Ray, yes. which Tony calls an NWO drop. That was my... I laughed really hard when he said NWO drop. Did anyone call it that besides no, Tony Schiavone? Outsider's Edge in yes, WCW. Exactly. What is going on here? NWO drop. The NWO drop. Oh, the NWO drop. <laughs> like, he literally like says it like Gorilla, too. <laughs> and then six with a million-dollar dream on the Ray into a body scissors for the win. JJ and Nick Patrick in a Nitro shirt run yeah. out, which I don't know what the context of Nick Patrick wearing a Nitro shirt JJ is. JJ looked like he was gonna, like, fall over. He, like, sprinted with yeah. Nick Patrick. So as they run to the ring and they're yelling at the outsiders yeah. and uh, six, uh, Bischoff with a goatee. This is the goatee era for Bischoff. Right. And Scott Norton and fake Sting run out. <laughs> and Bischoff basically yells at JJ. He's like, you have no power here. You have no power. Scott Hall does a very comically exaggerated crotch shot to awesome. JJ. That made me, that actually, we, I think we both laughed. Yeah. And that, this is pre-DX. Yeah, it is. Like, it was really funny. He's just like, ooh, fuck you. Like, <laughs> and then Six is referencing Vince McMahon and working for New York <laughs> while yelling at JJ as Doug Dillinger like dopely looks on. Why did these WCW goobers just come out and beat them up? There's yeah. more of them. Like, what's the problem here? It's like there's like seven of them and like 30 of the WCW people. Yeah, why didn't they just team up and beat these guys up? And by the way, there doesn't seem to be any more at this point by May, as we've seen the roster in this show alone. Yeah. WCW seems to be pretty damn united to me. There's nobody in WCW that's like not a face compared to the NWO. Right. Everyone the- hates the NWO and vice right. versa. So like, what is the issue? Why is nobody come? Rey Mysterio is like, the tiniest man on the roster. No one and helps there, him. And there's three on one, five on one teaming Fake up sting. on him. Like with all these stupid people. No and one like, helps. Not one person can come out and like. Where's the giant? Yeah. And the giant could take care of all those guys by himself. Anyway, that's the end of that segment. Yes, literally. So another heel B town, another nice somber note there to end it. Anyway, Lee Marshall from 1 800 Collect is on the phone. Sadly waiting in the hotel room that's for the right. next week. You know where he is, Quinn? He's in Baltimore, the birthplace of Babe Ruth and Montel Williams. <laughs> yes. The, I always think of those two together. I, you know, I always think of Montel Williams when I think of Baltimore. The birthplace of Babe Ruth and Montel Williams. Lee Marshall sneaks in a little weasel reference like, that's why they call them the Ravens and not the Weasels. And then he makes a crab joke about Bobby. Yeah, something about how, like, Bobby would think that it's like the STD yeah. crabs. I It was stupid. Really good joke there, Lee. But it's Lee Marshall, and, you know, let's get him to the next town <laughs> yeah. ahead of them. Just and get him away from the arena that we're at now. Maybe put him in the hotel room, <laughs> have him write the joke for another week, and maybe next week will be a better one. Just don't put him at the announce desk. Right. He, that's, don't ever fine. put him in the arena, period. Like, he's <laughs> Never anywhere. Yeah, you're right. So we hear the NWO music yet again. And here's the Hulker himself, Quinn. Yep. Hulkamania Short- himself. <laughs> Hulkamania lives. Yep. Short drive down the road, I guess, from yep. us, Tampa St. Pete. He's with Eric Ripoff. Tony says this is the first time we've seen Hogan on Nitro in a while. Well, I guess some things don't change, huh? <laughs> Hogan plays guitar on his belt and then poses while Bischoff makes erotic noises like, Oh, yeah, look at that! Oh, look at that! Oh, oh! I was mean, saying to you while this is happening, it's like, God, I love the, like, heel Hogan and, like, the Bischoff combo because it's like Bischoff is, like, that 
person that Hulk needs to like placate him and like yeah. make him feel so good about himself. It's like his wingman, basically. Right. You know? And it, it's just it's really funny to me because this is what a heel should do, especially like a super macho man style, like like that Hulk Hogan is when yeah. he's a heel, like opposing, just full of himself character. I agree. Like with a you. guy that's like, look at those muscles. Yeah, like, he's so strong. Oh, look at him rip the shirt. Like, to, me, to me, it reminded me of when Vince used to announce for the WBF. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's a lot like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's like a perfect... They, they were actually a good team together. They were. No, they fed well off of yeah. each other. Bischoff wants to know when Hogan's going to fight Sting. I have a spoiler for you. About seven months too late. December. Yeah. Quinn, you figured out why WCW is supplying the NWO paper. Right. So all those NWO papers, remember we said they fell at the beginning? And I was like, this is stupid. Like, yeah. they can see the big signs hanging that says <laughs> right. fuck tradition or whatever right. <laughs> it said. Like, why do they need paper? And then I re- then it hit me when Hogan was in the ring. Because you know how when the NWO's in the ring, people throw shit at them? Yep. That paper was literally dropped so that later in the show, the audience would have something to throw yes. at, at the NWO. Think about how the landscape has changed. That's only uh, 21 years ago, but within like a few years after that. You can't throw shit at the ring anymore. No, it just makes me sad, actually, because I always thought that was part of the aesthetic of the NWO, which I really liked. Hogan calls out Sting and he looks up and Sting's not in the rafters. So he's like, ah, that just proves once a God, always a God. Once a God, always a God. Oh, yes. I didn't get that. That was a very worthwhile segment. That's it. Hogan poses as we just waste more time. What even like was that? Heels getting the glory. Uh, I don't know. I think he was trying to prove that like Sting's a coward. Hmm. That's all it was. It was a very pointless segment. Anyway, Lord Steven Regal comes out just in his regular maroon trucks. Yeah, no coat. No frock. Yeah. No wig. None of that. That upset me, actually. He's fighting the uh, Meng. So this was like, we saw this on the WWE Network.com description or whatever. I was like, that sounds like a great match. Let's watch it. Let's watch it. So we do. But first, we get clips of Kevin Sullivan, Voldemort, and Meng with woman like getting upset from last week. Yeah, she's like, Kevin, stop it. And then he's like, okay. And then, then, <laughs> like literally that's what happens so fast stiff exchange Whoa. to start as Kevin Sullivan and Jeans runs out with Jackie Regal attacks Sullivan Men kills Regal with a Tongan throat tickle Regal proudly fights back that's right it was about a one minute match and that's yeah. it it's it very waste. upsetting. And you know what I didn't get? It's like they told us this whole story about how woman's the only one who can control Kevin Sullivan and all this. Yeah. But then they don't come out at all. Like I was expecting like them to like get in the mix. Yeah, woman didn't come out. Also, it was weird to see Jacqueline here because I, I always forget <laughs> that like strange era. Hey, Sable. As we go to break, Larry's like, no, not now. Yeah, Larry like really wants to see this main uh, Kevin Sullivan yeah. Regal thing. He's very upset about commercials. Yeah. We got to step out for a break. Stay with us. Next not Monday. now. So anyway, we get a nice promo for that awesome DDP Savage feud we talked about. I love heel Elizabeth with Savage. It's so good. She's actually like a heel and not like just like, ow, <laughs> or just does nothing and stand there. She actually like gets into it with like Kimberly and yeah. stuff. Like, this is the best Elizabeth ever was. Yeah, NWO Elizabeth it's, really she's is. She's so good. Isn't it kind of ironic, but I guess it makes sense. Now that they haven't been together in five years, Savage and Liz are the best on screen that they've ever been. Right, because they're fresh. Right. And they're not together. There's no personal animosity anymore. Yeah, they're just two workers working with each other. It, it, so it actually works better. Right, exactly. Savage isn't all protective of her anymore. She's not scared shitless of Randy Savage. Right, and you know? she's just like, yeah, let's do do the thing. We're, okay. we're, getting, like, yeah. we're getting paid. Who yeah, cares? Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Let's have fun. Uh, so Savage alludes to fucking Kimberly. If you can't feel the madness... 
Miss Kimberly. But she sure felt it. Yes, he has. Okay. Horribly overdubbed DDP music on the network here as he enters with Kimberly. Mean Gene reads him at the grab. Oh, give me a break. You know, that version of Mean Gene. exactly. DDP says he uh, grew up in the nightclub business. Jersey Shore. Yeah. Fort Myers, Florida. uh, I thought it's San Diego or something. Certainly looks like he grew up in nightclubs. (laughs) Yeah. He talks about defining moments and how, like, I don't understand what he meant. He defined Savage at Spring Stampede. I don't, what what does that mean? Does he mean he, like, had one of the Savage's best matches? Because I don't think that's true. I don't know. That was a pretty good good. match. It's just, I I think this is the same guy who wrestled Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania (laughs) 3. So, like, are you serious? It's a fair point. Kimberly cuts a crappy promo. She's like, It's obvious. The guy's got a one track mind. But the traffic on it is very light. Okay, say what you will about Kimberly. But I'm I, not defending that line. I, no, I'm not defending the line either, but I actually like her here too. Like, she's not that annoying heel no, one later on. Oh, God, from like 2000? Yeah. No, forget that. No, this is like... She's okay. Both women and both the men are the best they ever were. This is a great feud. Both of them are in... The four of these people are awesome. No, I agree with you. They're very good. They're really doing a good job here. Also, remember when Kimberly was Heidi on Home Improvement? Yeah, it's so weird. She does look like her. (laughs) They're like the same person, I swear. Now, here they are, those princes of porcelain, those titans of the toilet, those jokers of the John, those bad boys of the bull. Heidi! so they really, this is a good feud, especially for WCW, who wasn't, yeah. they weren't good storytellers. It's gotta all be savage, because this is, to me, oh exactly God, yeah. what he wanted to do with Shawn Michaels. And DDP was also known for being very meticulous and wanting to plan things right. out. Right, so this is the perfect combination of people to work together. It really is. So savage. DDP's great. He, he is. He's such an under, and his song, like, nobody really talks about him anymore. He's I, awesome, Clint. He really was good. Yeah, and I'll give credit where credit is due. I, I make fun of WCW partly in jest, but this was really good. DDP was great. This whole angle was great. Yeah. I really love it. So Savage has a mic and he butts in from the stands and he's like, oh, Kimberly, quit calling me. Yeah. And yeah. DDP has two words for Savage. Diamond cutter. <laughs> All right, that's a little not, underwhelming. That's <laughs> underwhelming, but not untrue. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's still fitting and now, everything. We got to know because this will come into play later. Yeah. Savage has crutches. He does. So Savage says he's going to come down and kick DDP's ass. I come down there right now and kick your ass. Mm. Not often that you hear Randy Savage cuss because he's, yeah. he's from that 80s mentality. He's like Hogan. But. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right? uh, yeah. I'm going to kick your butt. But Hogan and Savage, I lo- I always dug that they kept their PG-ness. Yeah, they did. Like, even when they were like really supposed to be like the worst of the worst yeah. heels. It's, it's just really funny. It was fun. And then he just leaves. He just leaves the yeah. stands. So now we get Alex Wright's music and he enters. He's still a face, but he doesn't dance his way down the ring. Uh, I didn't like that because I love when Alex Wright dances. I love dances. the dance. Uh, Jeff Jarrett and Deborah enter next. And this is one of the reasons why I just hate 1997 WCW. These two. Ugh. Jared kicks some ass to start as the announcers talk about staying in the NWO, of course, because well, why, that's I mean, what they do. To be fair, why the fuck are we talking about? Why is Jeff Jarrett and Deborah versus Alex Wright on this show? That's a fair question. And the only thing I can think about is, like, wasn't this when, like, Deborah started managing Alex Wright around this? Yeah, wasn't like, that was, around this time? I actually? thought that, like, she, like, they fight again or something and she winks at him or something happens. Do you like Alex Wright? I do, actually. Okay. I actually think he's one of the guys that really got screwed over by WCW. Yeah, I think so. He's a pretty talented kid. He was very talented. Kid. And they ruined him with that Berlin thing. That was dumb. And I think had that not happened to him, and he was young when WCW ended, 
He was. I really think he could have had a successful WWF run. I really do because yeah. he was just so talented. He wasn't that old. He, you know, when he wanted to do charismatic, he could. Yeah. You know, and I agree. Like, it just, I always thought that was one of the losses of like WSW. It was just a shame to Pretty me. talented kid. Yeah. So uh, some CPAs, the ref is Deborah Hobbs on the apron. <laughs> Alex Wright does his dance to her. So I think the seeds are being planted here, Gwen, for right. that whole it thing. It has to be, right? I think so. Jarrett clips Alex Wright's knee, puts him away with the figure four. Well, at least there was no Halliburton involvement. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that. And by the way, I hate how Jarrett's music is that like Yoshi farm stage from Mario Kart 64. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do, yeah. It's all that like farm style music. <laughs> it's terrible. I should also mention that yet another heel going over in another segment of Nitro. Uh, next up, Quinn, Lismark Jr. makes his debut <laughs> against Glacier. <sighs> now, well, we might as well just pause the podcast for like <laughs> 45 yeah. seconds so Glacier can make his way in glacially. He looks like Sting, the musician. He does. This match, though, to me, was the funniest <laughs> match of all of them. It really was. Well, it was. So he has a special font. Mickey J is the misfortune yeah. of being the ref for this. But uh, <laughs> Glacier wins in like 12 seconds with a super kick. <laughs> Let me explain what happened. They go at, at each other, right? And they're like kind of grappling in a circle for a second. There's like a bit of a tussle, right? Yeah, there's a tussle. This is all within like three seconds. There's some tuss. Then Glacier gets, somehow gets like backed into the corner. Yep. Lismark Jr. like runs at him. He jumps up the turnbuckle and flips over Glacier. Yep. And then Glacier just super kicks him in the face. One, two, three. Like, it's really funny. It's a pretty funny ending, yeah, actually. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, even though, like, I know it's Lismark's debut or yeah, whatever. Great debut. No offense. Lismark was like the minor cruiserweight people. What about Glacier? He was a major anything? He's a little bit better than Lismark Jr. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. James Vandenberg, who was basically like the late 90s version of Paul Ellering, yeah. but like more creepy. Yeah. He runs out with Mortis uh, and Wrath storms in as well, but he's not named yet. They don't know Wrath's name. Yeah. So uh, basically... Vandenberg and Wrath watch Glacier kill Mortis for a while. Now, Mortis right. is Chris Canyon. That was weird, right? They were just like, yeah. well, let him suffer yeah. so we can set up the move here or whatever. So then Wrath, uh, who's Adam Bomb, by the way, Brian Clark, he gives him a rock bottom, which yeah. is very interesting. And then I ask you, when does Goro come in? And, like <laughs> Shang Tsung and Shao Kahn and all yeah, that. What, yeah, because this is Mortal Kombat, after all. I mean, yeah. Mortis is reptile, right? Right, he is. That's why, and actually, I figured that out afterwards. I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh, of course they let Morris get beat up because he has like regen abilities right. or whatever. So yes. like it's it's okay. Like just <laughs> beat up on Morris. He's like kind of like the catcher's mitt. You can kind of just beat him up. Catcher's and mitt. then because if Wrath got too much karate on him, I'm pretty sure he would lose. Well, karate can be very bad. But Mortis, if you recall, just came back week after week after week right. from Glacier's karate. So <laughs> he's pretty durable. So then uh, Mortis with a, a very crappy Samoan drop from the second rope. Yay! Another heel beatdown. That's uh, that's all heels going over in every single segment so far, just for the record Well, you'll here. be very excited for the last match then. <laughs> now, you got mad about the heel beatdown. I got here. mad about watching the show. Can I say something? Just because just yes. I feel like it's unfair to say he'll beat down here. Uh, I do. Just in this situation. And okay. I'll tell you why. Okay. Because if you recall, I've watched more, a lot more Nitro episodes recently. Glacier, like, why? never lost ever. He would always yeah, beat these. undefeated. He would always beat these fucking guys every week with, like, no problems. Fine. Can't Mortis and fucking... Uh, Adam Bomb like get one week where they like yeah. win a lot or something. They can if another face would win on the fucking show. Well, that's not. I'm saying it's not their fault What's in their, their feud. No, well, that's, that's not all. their fault. Yeah. I mean, Mortis and Wrath just want to win. Yeah, you know, I mean they, okay. they lucked out one week and like tagged up on Glacier, so they finally got a one up on him. 
So our next match is supposed to be the Giant and Lex Luger versus Harlem Heat, but Lex Luger is injured in Japan, we find out. So more on that later. But Harlem Heat does enter with Sherry, who doesn't look like she cares anymore. And Sherry usually cares, but yeah. she doesn't look like she gives a shit. You know, like those blankets they give people when they cross the border? Like <laughs> What? You know, you, did you see, I saw it on the news. Like there's like um these silver blankets. They're like oh, for the emer- aluminum heat blankets. Yeah, yes. they're for like emergencies, right? Like, yeah. Well, all of Harlem Heat is wearing silver. Right, but Sherry's dress looks like that thing because it's too big. It's just really weird. <laughs> so Giant comes out alone because, like we said, Luger's allegedly injured in Japan, and he gets on the mic, Quinn, to introduce his partner to replace Lex Luger. Great pick. Yeah. D D. I was excited. This I was like, oh yeah, get him. You know, like this good is gonna stuff. be fun. Harlem Heat? Yeah, a great match, right? Yeah. On paper. It sounds yeah. really good. Harlem Heat's a great team. So uh as DDP comes out with Kimberly, Savage appears off to the side, kind <laughs> of in the Ultimate Warrior running yes, spot. I was like, as DDP was kind of standing there to do the feel the bang or whatever yeah. he does, like I was like, oh no, this doesn't look good. Like Royal Rumble 91 flashbacks. Yeah. So Savage waves his crutch at them. DDP grabs it, threatens Liz with it, steals it. Savage hides behind Liz. And then, of all people, Hulk Hogan sneak attacks DDP. Yeah, really weird because Hulk usually doesn't do the dirty work, you know? Like, Yeah, no, he's usually at the top of the empire, right? right he doesn't, yeah. He'd have Scott Norton do that do the shit. chair shots. No! Savage grabs Kimberly by the hair, and this is where... I'll say this. Stuff is happening, like Quinn said. Gotta yeah. have that stuff happening, bro. I like the stuff happening. The whole NWO is in the ring, meanwhile, beating up Giant and Harlem Heat. By the way, the way they did the camera work there, I did not see. Right. It's like they like teleported yeah. in from the crowd You didn't or see them enter, right? Because yeah. the, the camera's focused off to the side on the right. whole DDP But angle. they also, you didn't see the like entrance ramp, no, I guess, didn't. when it was happening. No. So you didn't see the whole NWO come out. So Flair, this is a great Calvary, Flair and Kevin Green come out to also just get beat up by the NWO. Yeah, it was horrible. My favorite part, though, is Kevin Green is, like, horribly <laughs> embarrassing. Like, he comes in, right? And you think, like, because uh, he's, like, the last one to make it in. And you're like, yeah, Kevin Green's going to make a difference, right? Because he's the football player and he's a real athlete and blah, blah, blah. He immediately gets taken down by fake Sting. <laughs> I'm not making this up. It's real. Fake Sting, like, he tries to do, like, a spear to him and fake Sting kind of, like, dodges to yeah. the left and just, like, knocks him down and just beats his ass. It's so hilarious. Meanwhile, I'm just going to mention that Michael Wall Street, his status is still <laughs> still NWO. His contract's not void yet or yeah. whatever. He's still actually he's, in this somehow. He's very there. And Sherry gets Harlem Heat the fuck out of there. Yeah, she's she's like, like, we're not dealing with this. Yeah. She's like, we're leaving. Bye. Yeah, yeah. So then anyway, we get another camera shot back over off to the side of DDP and Kimberly both laid out. Yeah, what did they do to Kimberly? We don't know. She looked like she got knocked the hell out badly, too. Yeah. So then Hogan and Savage get on commentary and do their usual spiel about how cool the NWO is blah blah they were actually at the desk yeah they went to the desk and did that brother there's no way to stop us did you know that Kimberly (laughs) fell for me she kissed me too (laughs) Quinn you're very hopeful that Sting will come out yeah I'm like okay so where's Sting right Right. like because the NWO like they're really getting on the faces right now right now we need Sting to point at them with the bat and then they all get scared and leave or whatever end of show what the fuck was this? WCW. Yeah, but even... This happened all the time. Can I ask you something? Even for WCW, though, I seem to remember almost every episode, like, Sting would point or whatever. No. Like, that was the pattern, We're misremembering it? that. He really didn't do that as much as we say. He was there sometimes. It happened more than once, let's put it that way. Yeah, but over the course of 52 weeks, that's not a lot. Would you say it happened every, like, two-ish weeks at I the, don't at even the think very so. least? Most... I feel like he was always pointing. 
listen, I want to be fair. This wasn't uh, good. Yeah. But there was stuff going on. Right. That was kind of fresh. Like the DDP Savage feud. I love it. It's I good. always have. Yes. By this point, though, Quinn, the WWF, and I'm using them as the direct contrast. You can talk about now. You can talk about whatever. But right. on the other channel, like a little bit later in this night, you've got a red hot Steve Austin, the Bret Hart heel turn and the new and the new Hart foundation mm-hmm. and all the other angles that are going on. The Undertaker, there's a lot of big stars and a lot of grittier stuff for them, too. Yeah. WCW was not better. I'm not saying it's even worse, but I think it is, but it's probably objectively. It's not better than WWF at this time. I don't think it's better. I don't think it's worse. I just think they're at about even right now. I really do because, you know what? I think angle choice is a preference, like which angles you like better than the others. Because there could be plenty of people that said, well, I'm really interested in this DDP versus Randy Savage feud, so I'm going to watch that. Or I'm really interested, like... Even though you don't like it, there's a lot of people, especially as you could tell by the ratings, that were like, I'm really interested whatever the NW does next. Like, I want to know. But in 97, that was very much the truth. It was, but if you actually watch each show, they don't do anything. Right, but that's... That's the problem. Right, but if you're WCW, you're like, well, people seem to like it. But I don't care if I'm watching and I don't like it. Right, right. I'm just saying, a, a large majority of the audience liked what was going on. Well, you have to remember with ratings... There are factors in ratings. It's right. the previous weeks. It's not necessarily what's happening on that specific night. It's, right, and that should say trends. also that whatever trends or and previous habits. weeks that WCW is doing, they're hitting something correct. But it's hard to for a company like WWF at this time to steal that audience back. It is. Because uh, people are used to watching that right, show. Right, it is. It doesn't it, make it better. Whatever WCW did in the past before this episode... Yeah. People are comfortable with these characters. They want to know I agree. what happens to every single one of them, even if it's even if it's fucking Glacier. Like they don't No they, one cared about Glacier. My point is is that they know who, they know here. who the fuck that is. They're like so what? that's something that we watch, you know, like blah blah blah. The point is is they want to see what's gonna happen with the Hulkster. They want to see what's gonna happen with Randy Savage, right. DDP, Sting, any uh, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. Right. Like they want to know what's gonna happen with those characters, and that's why. It doesn't matter that this was a poor episode. I'm not saying that every episode was poor like this. This is no, a they weren't. preempted episode. Like I'm that sure that should make them try harder. You say that, but yes. at the same time, they might also say, Well, we have less time to film and blah blah. What? Being preempted does not excuse the heels going over in every single segment, which is indicative of no, a WWE that was, problem. That was a poor decision. That's a very big problem that they yeah. always had, Quinn. Yeah. Is that the crowd had nothing to cheer. Nothing good happened. Right. You go there and nothing fucking good happens. Do you think a lot of that had to do with the fact that a lot of people were already cheering the NWO no. and that they that no. they just felt that's what it's like, well, no. if the NWO are kind of face heels, that's nope. their tweeners or whatever. No. Like I think a lot of that had to do with WCW didn't know what they were doing. That's fair to say, but... Do you see them? In 1997, I definitely saw them. The reason they were successful is because what they had built in 1996. This sucked. It was okay. Fucking call it what it is. It's not good. To me, it was lateral. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It's not good. It It was lateral. It was just another episode of Nitro. Which is not a good thing when they were just doing this every week. Kevin Green! What? How are you going to justify that? I'm not good with dates, Joe, but yeah. what was the next important or like pretty cool thing to happen in W? Because by 97, we still had stuff to go. Like There were still things to happen. Yeah, there was still good stuff. I mean, the Savage and DDP continued their feud for a bit. Right, but the, I'm saying like NWO stuff and like... Nothing all the, happened with the NWO. What about Sting? I, that's I, December! <laughs> Can we end our discussion on this review on one legitimate, honest question? What? Did they wait too long to have Hogan face Sting? Yes, okay. and I, I think... The ultimate problem 
was is that they were hell bent on making Starcade WrestleMania. Right. That was the plan they all along. Have. Yeah. And I would say if you're living in 1997, that might seem like a really good idea. Because then you can say once and for all, Starcade is like WrestleMania, it has the biggest match of the year, mm-hmm. Sting versus Hulk Hogan. We've been building to it for like a year and a half. Like it's it's huge, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, by ninety seven, it didn't matter what the fuck pay per view you did anything at. Yeah. So and that's the problem. And I think even WWF is guilty of that at the same time. Um, that just like never like sometimes they would hold off on stuff to try to not that it, long. But when they're at their best, they hold off just long enough and right. then they, they let it go. But yeah. folks, speaking of long enough, it'll just be long enough until we see you again. That'll be next week. That'll be September 10th as we do episode number 98. Now, that'll sure be a fun one because 98 was a really great year, not just for wrestling, but for baseball. So many big things yeah. happened in 98. Very good year. Very good year. So until that time, be sure to check us out on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Join the group if you haven't yet. Facebook.com slash group slash OVP podcast. And if you want to donate, you can do that at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But until next week, until next year, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. Paper! That's all I see is paper! Last week! I stood here with paper falling down, and I, Mr. Flair, I looked at that paper, and I tried to read that paper, and I looked outside, and I saw you outside, and I said to myself, it's only three on one, you were doing fine, I've always been there for you, and I will not stop, and they said, it's 75% their gate. They want 75% of the purse. I don't want no purse. It looks like they forfeited the purse money.